Welcome everyone to an all new episode of the Comic Multiverse where the worlds of nerd meet. And if I sound a little slower today, a little bit more morose, there's a reason for that, and that is uh, as we Joel all... got kicked in the head by a horse. <laughs> hey, I was playing the Pokemon Go and I got there was a ponytail in there, but it wasn't a ponytail, <laughs> it was a real horse. Mm. Can't tell what's real and what's Pokemon, man. <laughs> I know, right? The walls of reality are breaking down. But no, seriously, though, as we sometimes do on this show, and as you might have been able to tell, the roles have been reversed this week. Uh, it is now actually super early where I am recording this show and super late where Matt is right now. So if he sounds a little bit more energetic and a little bit more with it, that's why. <laughs> <laughs> You think Matt's the quiet one, but that's only because we record at stupid late hours because he's nice enough to get his Australian schedule around our North American schedule. I am. Mm-hmm. If I don't, you guys will come in and invade us for oil or fuel or whatever. Hey, as soon as we find some oil in the Australian outback, we're coming. <laughs> <laughs> also, that's not me. That's the other guys. That's my crazy neighbor to the south. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> So how's your week been, Matt? Pretty cool. We we had Star Wars Celebration, so like yeah. the weekend for me was taken up pretty much just chilling and watching the live stream of it. That's nice. I uh, I was fun. I, I probably would have done that were this week not my birthday and I not running around doing birthday stuff. Actually, it's kind of funny. I turned 24 this week. This is the 24th episode of the podcast. What? Oh, what? What are the odds? We of we time that we time that somehow. Mm. Some <laughs> way, some way, we figured that out exactly when we launched launched the first comic multiverse episode, and when we had that <laughs> fuck up episode where we kind of did two in a row. <laughs> it was all it was all a game. It was all a long con just for this moment. It was. It, it all pays off for this like one. One minute spiel we're going on about. Yep, yep, that's that's what it does. That's, that's, that's what that's what we do this for. That's what we do, just for weird little coincidences like this. Jeez, man, twenty four episodes. We've been doing this pretty solid. I guess we're gonna have to do something special for thirty. Yeah, I guess so. Maybe I should finally learn how to do YouTube live streaming, and maybe we should like live stream an episode for thirty. I, so people I, can I actually talk just enabled my channel to live stream. Yeah, I, yeah. I like click click the button and i'm like yay okay that's cool i'm not gonna live stream now it's harder than you think i've screwed around with it because you gotta like set a time and you gotta get like your obs or your whatever it is working just right and you gotta plug all the stuff it's much more difficult than it seems yeah i imagine it is worst case scenario i'll just do what i did before and we'll do like a video something for 30 once we get there yeah 30th episode spectacular but, uh, yeah, I mean, beyond that, not much else going on. Good week. Uh, my, <clears throat> my little cousins came up yesterday because of my birthday and everything, and they're, they're just old enough now to understand that I work on YouTube, and they had, like, a million YouTube-related questions. <laughs> so how do you make your money? Ad revenue? Do you make the ads yourself? No, I don't even know what the ads are most of the time. <laughs> <laughs> you just got, like, ads for, like, bull shark testosterone and... <laughs> Hungarian mail order brides and yep. everything all over your videos. Like, yeah. hey, check out Joel's Batman review. You've got Hungarian mail order brides on there. Clearly, uh, YouTube knows my audience very, very well. <laughs> uh, 
that that's what they want. It's like, okay, I'm gonna go online, gonna get me a Hungarian male bride, some bull shark testosterone, and see what's happening in the new action comics. <laughs> They're a diverse group, my fans, and I love them all, crazy as they are. <laughs> But yeah, it was funny, talking to them, it really hit me there, I'm like, man, you know, the paradigm, or like the whole, uh, yeah, like the whole paradigm of fame has really changed for this generation who has grown up in a time of only ever being YouTube and only ever seeing YouTube celebrities and everything, like, they probably don't give a shit about, like, Richard Gere or, like, uh, Bruce Willis, to them, you know, the PewDiePies and the Smoshes are the real celebrities, yeah, I, I actually had a similar conversation with some younger people I know that I go uh, and work with, and like they recently they were they're like shooting Thor here, nice. and um, it's like forty minutes away from where I live, and um, uh, like Mark Ruffalo and all that are like going to like radio stations and oh, like cool. just going out about the place and everything, and I'm like the only one geeking out about it because <laughs> like oh they could I could run into them somehow and everything, and everyone's like who cares there's just people I'm like dude Thor Hulk yeah these characters actors these amazing actors clearly and I mean I guess you know bully for the YouTube people for figuring this out I guess if like you're more of a constant in people's life than Mark Ruffalo and then you know Hemsworth or anything people will assume you're much more famous than you actually are yeah Plus, I mean, you know, an actor, you never know how many people goes to see an actor's movies, but a YouTuber, you always have the views and the sub count so you can actually see and put, like, a metric to it. wonder if they'll, they'll do that for movies. Like, mm. uh, they'll have, like, one of those things on the floor that when you step on it, like, records your record someone going past or something. You know, you joke about that, Matt, but I could actually see a future where that happens. Man, you know, Ghostbusters 2 viewed this many times. <laughs> There's not going to be Ghostbusters 2. No, no, of course there's not. But you know, speaking of which, you know, uh, of all the reviews I read of that movie, apparently because we were mentioning Hemsworth there, everyone freaking loved Hemsworth. They said Hemsworth is funnier in that movie than he is in the Marvel movies, which is saying something. He's a pretty good comedian. Have you seen the new Vacation film? Oh, yeah, 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 I have actually. Yeah, he's in that, and he's, he's hilarious in that. Uh, who is he in that again? He's, um, Rusty's sister's husband, I think. Oh, that's right. Yeah, oh, wow, yeah, that's right. He has a whole, he's like a rancher, and he has a whole yeah, scene there. Yeah, yeah, he is funny in that. Yeah, wow. He's, yeah. he's tight cast as like the big tough pretty boy, but yeah, he's really, really funny. He should do more comedies. Yeah, I imagine he will be. Mm. Good for him. So uh, yeah, I guess with that we can get to the news of the week. There was actually a lot of interesting stuff happening between you know uh, comics and between Star Wars celebration. We want to cover it all. Uh, of course, last week, the day after we did our show proper. As is often the case for the comic multiverse, because we have the show recording on Monday like we do, but Tuesday, all of Marvel's new Marvel Now titles, the ones that they were no doubt going to take to San Diego Comic-Con, which is coming up very soon, leaked out thanks to Bleeding Cool and Rich Johnson. Yeah, oh, I don't know whether you're on Twitter for this. Oh, I, but, I think I was. I think I saw but it. Him and Dan Slott were going at it, and it was amazing the to watch. En the endless war, by God. It was It was like a, the comic nerd equivalent of a knife fight in the street is what it was. 
uh, it got really ugly really quick, and I could understand kind of both sides of the argument. But it's like slot is you no know, like I love you, slot. But you can't argue with Rich Johnson because he knows that the next time Marvel, your company, wants to promote something, they're going to take it to him. That's what happens when you're the biggest. He He's literally like, fuck the rules, I have money. <laughs> he has fuck you money. He has fuck you money, and he knows he's in a perfect position. Like, I'm not saying leaking all these titles was right. I'm not saying, you know, the per- perpetuation of spoiler culture is right. But the fact is you can't beat it, though, because people are always going to want to know. Yeah, that's true. And like that, too, where he's like, you know, oh, can you believe that horrible stuff, Rich Johnson? Yes, I can believe it, actually. I'm sure he made a nice chunk of change off it, and I'm sure he'll do it again in the future. Oh, yeah, he did it with um DC Rebirth, didn't he? He sure did. He sure yeah, did. So he was he's... one of the first people to uh, spoil the twist for Rebirth and everything. Yeah, that wasn't cool. No, the, I mean, it wasn't, but I can understand why he did it, and he probably made a lot oh, yeah. of money off the back he of it. He probably made a lot of money off of that, yeah. And, and again, too, the only reason he was able to do it was because you guys sent him a press thing. If you want that to stop, stop sending him press things. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and that, that's like what Dan Slott was, was like getting at. It's like, you know, Marvel's going to stop sending you stuff because you, you're like leaking all this stuff. And he's like, ah, fuck you. I've got fuck you money. Basically, you know, you, it's like that old song said, you do it to yourself and that's why it really hurts. You do it to yourself. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. Thank you for that one. But uh, yeah, there was a whole giant list of titles. I've made a video about this. I've talked about this endlessly on other stuff. You haven't had a chance to talk about this, Matt, as far as I know. What are some titles from the leaks that you are really excited for? Oh, there were so many. There really was. So many. Um, I'm interested that we're getting uh, Richard Ryder back as Nova. Yeah, yeah, you might actually start picking up that book. Now, I've liked the whole Sam Alexander saga, even though I've jumped off it. I think one of its biggest problems was is that we're all, these multiple runs in, and he still is nowhere closer to finding his dad than he was before. Yeah, and this looks like to be the thing, like, well, fuck it, we'll just bring him back. I wonder, are they finally going to bite the bullet and be like, hey, somehow, someway, Richard Ryder was actually Sam Alexander's dad all along? No, well, I think they're going to bring him back in that series and he's going to stop being Nova, or at least for the time being, to allow Richard to come back and be the proper Nova, and then he's probably going to be a sidekick or something. Well, he's already going to be a member of the Champions team, so it's not like Sam's going away or anything. He's just going to be over with the Young Avengers. Or, or, I, I say Young Avengers, but they're not. They're the Champions, but come on, they're the Young Avengers. <laughs> <laughs> he's going to be hanging out on their team. Uh, some villains got some books, and I think that's interesting. We're getting a Kingpin book and a Bullseye book. Yeah, I guess that Kingpin Civil War book did pretty well. I don't think it did. I just think they greenlit really? this off. No, I don't think so. I think they just greenlit it off the back, uh, off the success of the Daredevil TV show. And if you look at the Kingpin on the cover of that book, he's just Vincent D'Onofrio. <laughs> so it's Vincent D'Onofrio's Kingpin, and all I can say is hell yeah. Yeah, I'm for that. Yeah, even the pitch is interesting because, you know, this is Kingpin who's still come back from exile in San Francisco and he's trying to take it all back, man. He's trying to rebuild his empire. And I'm like, I will read the hell out of a Marvel-based crime book. I'm all about that. Yeah, it will accompany, um, like, a Punisher and stuff like that. Ooh, that's a good idea. Yeah, yeah, make it like a Punisher thing but from the other side of the fence. Instead yeah. of stopping crime and villainy, he's setting up crime and villainy. <laughs> <laughs> the big stinger at the end is like, ah, yes, I've set up a drug lab. This will be good. Time to fill the city with drugs. 
<laughs> and that's where it ends. Make it like The Wire in that regard, like those storylines when you would follow the drug dealers. Make it like that, but with Kingpin. That that could be really cool. Yeah, Wire in the Marvel Universe, I'm all about it. Yeah. Make it like uh, like those great things like Kingpin, like, you know, oh, I'll go away for a bit and y'all motherfuckers forget about Fisk, but nobody forget about Fisk. <laughs> this is my yard. I'm all about that. Bullseye is going to be interesting, too. As a book, because as I've said it before and I'll say it again, Bullseye is like one of the few comic book villains, especially one of the few Marvel villains, where I'm like, this guy is absolutely 100% irredeemable and repugnant, and I wonder how they're going to write a book about him. Yeah, I, I haven't really been keeping up with what he's been up to and everything. He's, but he, he was crippled and then he was killed by Elektra. <laughs> So he's going to work. Now he some, has his own miniseries. Yeah, so clearly they got to work some resurrection magic because he was fucked up at the end of Daredevil. And then, yeah, I'm pretty sure Elektra killed him. Huh. At the end of her book. So, uh, yeah, they're going to have to work some magic to bring him back. Not like he hasn't come back from the dead before. Not like all these Daredevil characters don't come back from the dead millions of times. That's true. The hand probably did it. <laughs> it's the always hand, the hand. Because the hand always does it. <laughs> so yeah that uh, that one looks like a lot of fun avengers now is going to be uh sam wilson jane foster thor uh hercules yeah now hercules is an avenger again vision and dr doom the infamous iron man who we get a little glimpse of his suit it's kind of in shadows but it's uh green and gold well the, um one of the artists, I think, Malieve actually released like concept art for him, like the, his designs and everything. And it's, it's, it's the Iron Man suit that's the one at the moment, that kind of uh, knight-looking one. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, but it's all silver, and he wears a dark green cloak over it. Oh, I missed that one. Yeah, this one must be a little different, or maybe he wears a different one for the Avengers team. But yeah, yeah. Some other weird. Maybe one's a Doom bot, maybe. Ooh, that'd be cool. Where he's like, oh, you know, Tony Stark stretched himself too thin being multiple places at once, but I have Doom bots. Yeah. I can be everywhere I need to be. <laughs> uh, some other interesting ones where I'm like, these aren't going to last very long. Uh, apparently, a bunch of the Mercs for Money are getting solo series now. Yeah. Fool Killer's getting one, James Bourne is getting one, and Slapstick is getting one, and I'm like, oh, these will only last five issues apiece, at best. Yeah, and then they'll probably be collected in one book. That's smart, and then that book will probably be popular. Yep. They, yeah, they're, these these will probably be really good books. But no, I mean, I I don't know what to think about this. You know, did, did that Mercs for Money miniseries sell so well that they were thinking to themselves, oh, man, who was the popular one? Who was the standout here? Quick, make books out of as many as you can. <laughs> we'll figure it out. We'll figure out who the who the moneymaker was. Guys, it was Deadpool. No, no, it couldn't possibly be. Deadpool has his own, but guys, it, it was Deadpool, though. <laughs> And yet, hilariously, when you actually look at the Mercs for Money solo series, it's a completely different team now because in Deadpool, currently that team is getting dismantled. (laughs) They've actually turned against Deadpool because of Civil War, and it looks like he's going to try and kill them. (laughs) (laughs) Actually, wouldn't it be funny? He kills everyone who doesn't get a book. Only Slapstick, James Bourne, and Fool Killer get away because Deadpool (laughs) killed all the other ones. (laughs) Actually, I'd be fine with that. That'd be a funny twist, actually. He kills Stingray and the Monster Man. <laughs> and he's just like, go, go, go off into your own books. 
Actually, the actual Mercs for Money team I like way more than the team we have currently because it's Negasonic Teenage Warhead, of course, because the movie, Domino, Hitmonkey, who seemed to have survived his time over on the Monsters of S.H.I.E.L.D., so now he's on this book. Man, just jumping back and forth to quirky teams. And, uh, and Robot Man. I'm like, see, I'd much rather read about this team. This looks like a much more interesting team than the Mercs for Money were. Yeah, really unique team. Very unique team in terms of age, power set. There, there, there's a, a there's a monkey with a there's two monkeys with guns actually on this team. <laughs> what more do you want than monkeys with guns? <laughs> I don't know what else you want. Uh, what else stuck out to you, Matt? Because not all um, of these are new titles. A lot of these are ones that are continuing more or less. Hey, anything that made money gets to continue. Well, after the events of Civil War. Issue three, uh, the Occupy Avengers issue one still cut, stuck out to me. Oh yes, from David Walker, the guy who's currently writing Power Man and Iron Fist, the dude who's written a bunch of Shaft comics. He's writing like a socially conscious Avengers team starring Clint Barton. Yeah, a very, I guess, popular character at the moment. Yeah, definitely in the fallout of Civil War three. It's funny, Hawkeye's holding down that book, but the actual Hawkeye book is now going to star his sidekick protege partner Kate Bishop. So she's finally taking the Hawkeye name completely and running with it in a book. Awesome. Yeah, she deserves it. It's funny she gets her own book and she's not a member of the Champions team. You would assume they would throw her on Champions. Yeah. Yeah. Then again, I guess she doesn't know those kids. She's like, I was an original Young Avenger, you upstarts, you upstart millennials. <laughs> you plebs. You plebs. I was doing it before it was cool. No, literally, I was doing it before it was cool. All my Young Avengers <laughs> books keep getting canceled, but I was inexplicably popular and got to stick around. <laughs> ask any of my teammates. Ask Hulk and Wiccan, or Hulkling and Wiccan. They don't have a book. <laughs> Okay, technically they're in New Avengers, but they ain't getting solo series anytime soon. <laughs> Ask Patriot and all those other guys who were on my team. <laughs> uh, but yeah, that that one looks like a lot of fun. Uh, I, I feel I feel like I'm missing some. There were so many. Um, I know at least three fourths of the Guardians of the Galaxy are getting their own solo series. I know Gamora is getting one. Yeah, Star Lord is getting rebranded. Uh. Rocket Raccoon's getting one. That Gamora book was in development for a bit. I remember you and I talking about Mm. that Gamora book a long time ago. Yeah, so I guess they kind of bringing it out now. They finally are in a position, I guess, because, like, new movies coming out and everything. We actually got some uh, concept art for uh, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2. Looks pretty cool. Looks really cool. Flying raccoons. Who doesn't love that? Uh, yeah, that is funny. That's like, and yet again, everyone on the Guardians gets a book because why not? Because <laughs> they're probably. Did you ever think we'd live in a day and age where there'd be like, yeah, you know, these Guardians characters are so cool, they all need solo series? Yeah, it's so weird. Like, like when you think back to like when like Dan Abnett and everything were writing them, that was like the only book you could read about mm. Guardians of the Galaxy. And then for a long time after that, it was so hard to like get a, a book that actually had them in it for more than like a panel. Yep. Now they're in everything. It's true. Now you could argue they're almost oversaturated at this point. Yeah. <laughs> uh, what's some other cool shit? Um... Oh, uh, some things that, like, aren't new series, but, like, some new status quos for the universe. Uh, They make a solid point in these solicitations to say that uh, Captain America Steve Rogers will eventually be outed for his Hydra sympathies. Oh, okay, even though it technically wasn't. 
But but they don't know that though. The good guys don't know that. That's true. That's they don't, true. Yeah. They don't know that his mind's been fucked with, and so that's why Sam Wilson, Captain America, is kicking off a new event called uh, or or a new storyline. They're not events, but every title had like a little subtitle with it, and his subtitle was hashtag Take Back the Shield. Oh, okay. So he's going to be going up against his friend and mentor. Steve's book carried the uh, subtitle Hail Hydra, and it was his eyes with, like, the Hydra symbol in it. That's cool. That is kind of cool. This is having effects on Uncanny Avengers, too, because, of course, that's the Unity Squad that Steve leads. They kick him out, and Cable is now leading the team, and Janet takes Steve's place. Huh. Which I'm just like, really? Cable re- leading an Avengers team? Fuck, you might as well just call the book X-Force at this point. <laughs> and there's enough X-Men on the goddamn team, you might as well just call it yeah, X-Force. Yeah, like, they're like half or over half X-Men. Now they are. It's I, I love it's just like, oh, you know, you know, Marvel is burying the X-Men. They hate the X-Men. Uh, they don't hate the popular X-Men. Look at Uncanny Avengers. <laughs> Look, guys, it's all your favorites. You know, Deadpool and Rogue and Quicksilver. <laughs> And all these other ones, we don't hate them, they make us money. (laughs) Actually, that's another thing you'll notice looking at these solicitations now that we're on the subject of uh, X-Men. There's only one X-Book on that list, and it's Death of X. It's the flashback story that they've been talking about forever where we'll finally see the death of old Cyclops and his war he raged on the Inhumans. But while that book goes on, every other X-Men book looks to be suspended, including the Wolverine books. Which, that's a ballsy move, isn't it? And it's kind of sad as well, because I've been enjoying all new Wolverine. Me too, and Old Man Logan has also been solid. Yeah. I I would be sad to see those books go, even if just for a little bit. And I wonder, in the back of my mind, is this like, you know, is this Marvel kind of playing a game where it's like, okay, look, if we we got rid of the X-Men books, or if we trimmed it all back but just one, would people care? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> is this them testing the waters to see if people would give a shit i guess it depends on like who's in that book as well that's true just every character who's been wolverine and uh all the cyclopses <laughs> and, and and magneto and all the magnetos i mean to me it seems obvious i mean look if if that's how you want to go with it then just have one book just called x-men then and have all of them yeah. And get, like, a really great writer to be like, look, you have the entire X-Men universe at your fingertips. Do whatever you want. Mm-hmm. Bring back Chris Claremont and be like, hey, Chris, here you go. Here's the X-Men again. Do whatever you want. <laughs> yeah, bring bring back Chris Claremont and Joss Whedon. Yeah, there you go. And knowing both those guys, they'd be like, okay, time to pick up and start writing like I never stopped. Yeah. They'll probably just continue on like nothing ever happened. People forget Chris Claremont had a Nightcrawler run for a little bit. Like, there was a short-lived Nightcrawler book, and it was Claremont literally writing that book like he never stopped. (laughs) And being like, yep, and this is my X-Men universe, exactly how I left it. Nope, nothing happened in between here and now. (laughs) (laughs) It was all just me. Here's the X-Men playing baseball again. Ain't that fun? (laughs) (laughs) It, It is, Chris. It is. Oh, oh, sorry, I'm not used to getting up this early to doing the show. Uh, was there any other titles? Because there were so many. Um, I know, like, some books are getting, like, renamed and renumbered. So, like, I think the Ultimates is yeah, becoming, becoming like, ultimate. 
Ultimate Squared or something. Yeah, or... which fans of that book are just happy to see it hold in there a little bit longer. Yeah, yeah. Because it's such a weird cosmic book. Oh, uh, friggin' Thanos is getting a book from Jeff Lemire. Yeah, yeah, and uh, I, I can't believe I forgot about this. I, I like the the way he was describing it. He says he's going to make it like the new Darth Vader comic. Yeah, yeah. And which... I think that's absolutely perfect way to go with Thanos. Mm-hmm. Apparently, too, this is going to be a Thanos post falling out of love with death, so we're going to see Thanos without his major motivator. He's like all schlubby, like <laughs> sleep, sleeping on the couch with like pizza boxes. <laughs> his fingers are crusted in Cheeto dust. He's wearing a dirty bathroom. Why did she leave me? <laughs> Thanos is so sad. <laughs> <laughs> and, and his like little henchmen are like, "Come on, Thanos! Don't you want to destroy reality?" No, not today. I'm not feeling it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, come on, boss! You gotta do it. No, not not today. I'll I'll do it next week. <laughs> maybe maybe tomorrow. <laughs> Man, I love the idea of schlubby Thanos. <laughs> schlubby Thanos just you know like blasting uh, my chemical romance. I'm so sad. <laughs> <laughs> Only they understand me, Black Parade. <laughs> Man, emo Thanos is worse, Thanos. <laughs> Somewhere on Earth, the Avengers are like, Man, I wish he would just go back to destroying the universe. This, this self-hating schlubby phase is awful. <laughs> I feel bad for him now. Uh, some books that we also look to kind of lost from this thing, there looks to be no more Astonishing Ant-Man, which that kind of worries me because I really like that book. Yeah, you've been singing its praises and it sounded pretty cool. We're losing that one, but we're getting uh, we're getting The Wasp. We're getting Nadia Pym in like a brand new book. Oh, so you think he'll be in that? Maybe, maybe not. I don't think he will be, but I wouldn't be surprised if when Ant-Man 2 comes around, Ant-Man and Wasp, they won't relaunch the book as that. Yeah. Hey, with that with that Ant Man book, did Ant Man uh did Scott ever find out about like Cassie, how like she came back to life and whatnot? And... Yeah, yeah, he did, more or less. Yeah, how did there was it kind of like anticlimactic and everything? It, well, because it's such a comedy book, they play it off as a joke is the thing where it's oh. like, Yeah, Doom brought her back to life, but you know, he forgot to give her back her powers when she came back to life. Okay, because I remember that was kind of like a big thing. It was. It was a big sticking point, and it they kind of draw or bleh, draw that story out and didn't really tell it. But now, because uh, Scott is fighting the power broker, who's giving you know upstart supervillains their abilities, Cassie decides to infiltrate his organization, and ends up getting a new costume and new powers, and now she's Stinger. Oh, okay. But a uh, question remains: Will she keep those powers uh, when everything is said and done? Yeah. Which would be hilarious because it's like, okay, now we have the original Wasp, Janet, Nadia, the all-new Wasp, and, you know, uh, Casey Lang as Stinger, a character who might as well be another Wasp. Well, like, they, they could play it the way, like, the upon getting these powers, her old powers reactivate. Mm, yeah, yeah, yeah. And they sort of overlap onto those powers, so... In, as well as getting new power, she gets her old ones back. Yeah, that'd be. I, I would not be surprised if they played it like that at the end. Huh, talk about another Young Avengers people have more or less forgotten about stature. <laughs> she even does that too. Where it's like, man, you know, I'm only a twenty-something and I'm already a retired superhero. This is bullshit. <laughs> and like people at school make fun of her for being a former Young Avenger. It's like kids can be cruel. They actually make fun of me for being a former Young Avenger. <laughs> 
<laughs> and when I beat them up, I'm the bad guy. <laughs> School sucks. But yeah, so lots of interesting books from that Marvel now thing. Obviously, I'm sure we'll be talking about this more. Uh, w one problem I had, and I wonder if you felt the same way, Matt, with these leaks and everything. Oh, excuse me. Oh, God damn it. With these leaks and everything, uh, obviously these are all the books that are going to be coming up post-Civil War II and everything. Does it kind of bug you that now we basically know how Civil War II goes because we see who ends up where and on what team? Yeah, kind of, and that's kind of the thing with, like, this guy spoiling everything because it kind of takes away from that series. Well, you know, we say, we say he spoils it, but the fact is this was going to be their centerpiece for San Diego Comic-Con, so they were going to spoil it themselves in just a couple weeks anyway. Well, they might have actually, like, left some of the stuff out, maybe. That's true. Or, like, not not reveal covers or something. Maybe. Or, yeah. But it's just kind of like, well, I know who goes where now at the end of this story. I know there's going to be no Banner, no Iron Man. Some people are going to love Carol. Some people are going to hate Carol. Do I need to keep reading Civil War too now that I basically know how it all shakes out? Yeah, that's true. It's a, it's a little unfortunate, but you know what? From, uh... From possible San Diego Comic-Con stuff to Star Wars Celebration stuff, and something that I'm sure Matt and I were both losing our collective minds about, is uh, Star Wars Rebels Season 3. We got a trailer for that, and oh, what a trailer it was. Oh my god, this season. This season looks so good. Oh, oh yeah. Oh, oh freaking yeah, man. I mean, first and foremost, we get to see Ezra. He's got a brand new haircut. He's got a brand new lightsaber and blaster. Yeah, it looks really cool. Look, the, the lightsaber as well looks like Luke's second lightsaber. Yeah, yeah, I thought so too. I thought yeah, so too. And, which is really cool. We've jumped and a I, considerable time in the future. Everyone looks much older now. Kanan's grown a gross hobo beard. Yeah, well, as um, I, I watched the live stream while this was well on the panel, and Dave Filoni said that they're now closer to Rogue One. Yeah, as which they, would have they to um, uh, and so they're trying to ape that sort of style that rogue one has in the in the animation that's a great idea and yeah yeah it's, it's like that whole um synergy sort of thing absolutely absolutely i i hope they keep doing time jumps like this i hope rebels last a long time and they keep doing time jumps it's funny i think too at star wars celebration filoni and them said hey you know if we had gotten another season of clone wars this is what we would have done with ahsoka and it's like oh wow you had plans to take it right up to revenge of the oh sith God. didn't you that that panel, like, oh, I'm so glad I watched that because I almost didn't watch that. I almost went out, but I'm like, oh, I'll stay around. They might show you some stuff, and holy crap, I'm so glad that they stayed around. And the cool thing is that Dave Floney kind of said that those arcs are still technically canon. In his mind, at least, for the big showdown Ahsoka had with uh, Vader at the end of last season. Yeah, yeah, and yeah, all this new stuff that they had... What they were going to do in like season six and seven of the Clone Wars sounded really cool. Like, like Ahsoka inadvertently fighting Palpatine. And yeah, yeah. All this really cool stuff. I mean, I guess the biggest takeaway from Rebel season three is, of course, the villain of the piece is going to be freaking Grand Admiral freaking Thrawn. Oh, I am so excited! I knew it was going to happen as well, which is actually really lucky because I actually put out a uh, sort of bio on Grand Admiral Thrawn, a video bio on him, probably about 30 minutes after <laughs> the panel finished. I mean, this, I had it like waiting and everything, and yeah. I mean, this is huge, gigantic, because for those of you who aren't really plugged into Star Wars, 
Grand Admiral Thrawn is from the Timothy Zahn book trilogy. The book trilogy that was rendered not canon when Disney did everything. So basically what we're seeing now is a beloved character, arguably one of the most beloved EU characters, who was not canon, being made canon again by Disney. Yep, one of the best canon uh, EU characters ever as well. Mm -hmm, Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. This is, I mean, this basically throws open the door to any previously considered non-canon character to be brought back and made canon again. Ain't that right, Matt? Pretty much, yeah. As long as it doesn't, you know, fuck around with what they've already done and what they're planning on doing, then yeah. Like, hey, all you Dash Rendar fans, hey, Rebel Season 4, Dash Rendar. (laughs) It's funny you should say that because Dave Filoni confirmed that there was a ship in the season three trailer that is the same exact ship the outrider that dashran it's not his it's not his ship but it's it's the the same same type of ship Ooh, that's that's cool i mean again this is disney now this is the mouse house they like to make money and if they think that you know there's a lot of money to be made in bringing back dash rendar or like who, who who's that prince dude from uh shattered empire who was the villain in that in shattered empire or not Shattered um, Empire, like like the, the the comic trilogy in between movies, the one they did, the the, the Prince Shadows Shadows of the Empire, Shadows of the Empire, thank or, you. Uh, Prince Shizor, Prince Shizor. Like if they think there's a bunch of money in making Shizor canon, maybe they'll make Shizor canon too. Well, you know they've already got set up. They've they've had Fallines, which is his race in Clone Wars. They've had Black Sun they in Clone sure Wars. Have. Black Sun, which apparently just made it into the episode they made it into to become canon. Yeah. So yeah, don't don't be shocked if more of that shit happens. Uh, some other cool shit here uh, from the Rebel season three thing. Wedge, we get to see freaking Wedge. Yeah, and he's escaping from a fighter, a Imperial fighter training facility. Yeah, I love that. Wedge is actually a defector. It was was that a thing in his old canon that he used to fly for the Empire before uh, <sighs> defecting? I can't remember, but I remember there was this absolutely amazing comic series called Dark Lighter. It's about Biggs Darklighter basically doing what Wedge is doing in this series and oh, escaping man. from the Imperials to go join up with the Rebels. And it's insanely cool, and I hope they do something similar to that with Wedge. Yeah, I can only hope so. And that reclamation thing, all those ships they were after, that's 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 Rogue Squadron, right? Once they get those ships, that'll eventually become the Rogue Squadron, won't it? I don't know, because they were Y-Wing uh, bombers, mm. so maybe... I, I'm not too sure. I, I was assuming that once they steal those ships, that will be the forerunner to the ships that will eventually one day blow up, uh, blow up the Death Star. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's possible. Yeah, that's that. That's what I thought at least. I know I'm not as knowledgeable about Star Wars as you are, Matta. What was some other cool shit from the trailer? Oh, uh, Maul is still around and looks to be continuing to try and tempt Ezra to the dark side. Yeah, I'm really excited about that. We got we got Hondo back. Hon- yeah, Hondo and that other gross pig alien voiced by James Hong. So we've got all the all the smuggling crime lordy characters now. Yeah, let's go to more Mandalorians. Sabine gets a jetpack. That's freaking cool. Also, we get to see uh, Mandalorians working for the Empire. That's pretty great. Yeah, the, the dark saber. Yeah, dark. Okay, see, that's gonna be a good arc because as they mentioned before in Sabine's uh, focus episode. Her mother was a member of Death Watch, so that's probably going to be her mother's Darksaber. Yeah, her, I th- no, I think her mother was... Back in Clone Wars, there was this woman uh, Mandalorian who was, like, 
Previsla's second in command. I, I remember that. I can't movie. remember her character. I think they're implying that Sabine is her mother. Uh, well, Sabine is her daughter, I mean. Right, right. Yeah, I, I wouldn't I be surprised. I think so. That yeah. would be cool. That would be cool. We also get to see the Mandalorians are going to take a bigger part this episode. I think I think that guy she was talking to might have been her father, actually. It's possible, yeah. Because he, he was talking about like how Mandalorians are now working for the Empire. Yeah, and being like, you know, you, you did us proud, Sabine. You remember our ways and our traditions. Yeah, we get more Rex. Rex fighting the 501st and battle droids. That's pretty great. New droids, too, there. You got, like, those death bots. Uh, dark Troopers. They're, oh, they're actually cool. old canon stuff. They're brought back into new canon. That's amazing how they're treating, like, this new canon, like the ultimate universe of Star Wars, where it's like, look, we'll bring in all the good shit. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to that. And just back on the um the Rex thing, it's going to be really interesting for him to fight the Five O First since he mm. led the Five O First. Yeah. So it'll be, I don't know whether it'll still be like some of his squad mates in it because they'll be kind of old or anything. But it'll be kind of like fucked up if he, there are some of his squad mates in there and they know who he is and everything. And, That'll be cool. Yeah. Man, to think Rex has had such an amazing arc from Clone Wars to now. Yeah, that's another thing about that Ahsoka panel. Apparently, like, the episodes there would actually, like, work out how, like, Rex and everything wasn't in episode three because Mm. he was given... Because Anakin gave uh, Ahsoka command of Rex and and they went off to do their own thing while episode three happened. Yeah, you can understand why in Filoni's mind that's still canon because Ahsoka and Rex are so close. Yeah, exactly. That's that's so freaking cool. There's a lot yeah, of cool shit going amazing. on in Rebels. Just Dave Filoni, man. Yeah, I mean, they're, they're really doing something magical here. And even just the way that trailer was cut, it felt yeah. like a truly epic movie. And they're like, oh, no, no, we treat every season like an epic movie. Oh, another thing, we get Tom Baker, one of the the original Doctor Whos, voicing a character called the Bendu. Oh, is that who? I thought that voice sounded familiar. Yeah, yeah, they confirmed it on the live stream. Now, we haven't um, seen the Bendu in anything else before. The Bendu is new. Well, yeah, well, the Bendu is like, I remember, I can't remember exactly what it was, but I think, like, back when George Lucas was starting all this Jedi stuff, the Jedi were originally called the Jedi Bendu. Oh. So I, th- I think he's got to, he, he says in the trailer that he's the midpoint between the dark and the light side. Right. So he's like, technically the balance in the middle mm, he is the scale on which they uh they go yeah that's that's interesting because that's not the first time they've taken stuff to in rebels that never actually made it in like uh what is it the lasat design is actually like a recycled design for chewbacca yep and like a bunch of signs and stuff they take from like deleted scenes yeah that's pretty sweet. That's pretty sick. And that wasn't the only trailer we saw, too, because we also got an interesting kind of behind-the-scenes trailer for Rogue One. Yeah, yeah, it was really cool. It was I interesting really liked how they it. did that. It wasn't like a full trailer. It was like a behind-the-scenes trailer. Yeah, a lot of people, I saw a lot of people getting mad about that. I'm like, you still got something, guys. I, I would argue this is better because you're actually yeah. taken inside the movie and see some cool clips from it at the same time. And also, we didn't we we got that, but we also got like a clip of um, uh, Alan Tudyk's character, the droid K two S O. And I think I saw him, that one. Him interacting with um, Jin Erso and uh, Diego Luna's character Cassian. 
No, I, looks I, really cool. I must have missed that one. I'll have to go back to watch it. But yeah, some cool shit they're showing off there. Uh, I love the idea of stormtroopers and all this MP, uh, imperial stuff on like a tropical planet on like the beach. It looks really cool. I got like a real like beaches of Normandy vibe off it. Yeah, it's like that HBO series, The Pacific. Yeah, 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 yeah. Just like that, but in space. Yeah, oh, it's going to be so cool. And and that 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 panel as well. Well, there's a big spoiler in that panel. Um, dir- fucking Ben Mendelsohn comes out as director Krennic. That was amazing. Sh- should I know who that is? That's the bad guy for Rogue One. Oh shit, shit, shit. Okay. He came out dressed in full Imperial garb with like. Dark, uh, with a uh, Death Trooper escort and everything. And oh, d- see, I gotta go back and watch that shit now. That sounds really cool. <laughs> j- just don't watch the the Q and A. Oh, why does he say a thing he shouldn't have said? Uh, one of the actors there, I feel really bad for him. Um, the guy who pay- plays Baze, he's the long haired guy with the massive gun. Mm. Um, he he can't speak English properly. Oh no, because uh, he because English is his second language and everything, and he he kind of says a spoiler and. Like I already knew it was going to happen as well, and I think a lot of people did. But people who don't really know what the whole deal is with this movie is probably won't take kindly to it. And, right. and it, also, you could go back and watch it just to watch Alan Tudyk's face. Yeah, I bet. I bet it's pretty great. Is is it, it Tudyk or Tudyk? I always called him Alan Tudyk. I've heard it both ways. Huh? Let's ask him. Let's tweet him right now. Hey, Alan, how do you pronounce your last name? You would know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that wasn't the only bit of Star Wars news either. On top of that, we got our young Han Solo cast now. Yeah, this was the only panel I did not watch. Uh, I, I didn't watch it either, but uh, yeah, the dude who's going to be playing young Han Solo is the dude from that movie Hail Caesar, which I haven't seen, but now I feel I need to see it just so I can size up young Han Solo. I, I think he's going to do a pretty good job. He did a really good job in that movie. His name's Alden... Einrich, something like Einrich that. or something, yeah. He definitely has a young Harrison Ford thing to him. I can see it in his face. He he looks roguish. Well, he must have impressed them because he he auditioned on the set of the Millennium Falcon in costume. Damn. I would love I would love a behind the scenes picture of that. That's fucking ballsy. Being like, look, I'll put on the costume and I'll come on the Millennium Falcon and I'll show you. Yeah, yeah and, and the cool thing is, like, when they announced him, he came out with Chewbacca. Oh, nice. Dude. Was it Peter Mayhew or just a guy in a Chewbacca costume? It might be the guy who plays him now in the movies. Right. Like, in the standing scenes and everything. Uh, he's some big, tall Swedish fella. Of course, of course. Man, see, that's what I want to know. You know, everyone's all excited for young Han Solo. I'm excited for young Chewie is what I want to see. What's young Chewie like? Was his hair shorter back then? <laughs> well, he wouldn't be very young. He'd be like 300 then. Yeah, that's that's the funny thing about Wookiees. They're much older than they appear. That's, that's why Chewbacca didn't look all that different in Force Awakens. <laughs> yeah, that, 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 I remember people like, were like complaining about that. It's like, why doesn't Chewbacca look different? Because Chewbacca rarely ever changes. That being said, how cute would it have been if he had like some Rachel Ghoul gray streaks in like uh, in like his head hair? <laughs> I'd like him to have like like um like a mustache, but it's like kind of like salt and peppered mustache. <laughs> That's good. I like that. See, I want young Chewbacca, like, when he's 300 years old, he's going through a phase, so he's, like, shaved his hair into a mohawk. 
<laughs> he's got the fade along the sides. He's got the fade going on. This was like, you know, uh, Chewbacca during his new space metal phase that he was going through. <laughs> he's got like a bunch of, uh, he's got like those spiky gauntlets going on and everything. He's wearing like, you know, Hot Topic t-shirts. Yeah, Mala and Lumpy don't understand me. No, they don't. <laughs> Fuck the society, man. Fuck the trees that we live in in this magic society. Uh, Chewbacca's favorite band is called Mad Claw. That's a reference. Some people will get that and some people won't. It's, it's called the Shadowlands. Oh, nice. Yeah, that's that's where the gathering is. The gathering of the Wookiee Juggalos in the Shadowlands. Uh, bring all your space vagos. Oh. Oh, God, Space Vago, how horrible must that be? <laughs> God damn it. So yeah, uh, lots of really awesome Star Wars stuff going on right now. Now is a great time to be a fan. Yeah, that that celebration was great. And it was great because they, they live-streamed everything, which was fantastic. I think that's the first year they did it. I think for like last year they only live-streamed certain things, but this time they it was pretty much like everything that went on was live streaming except for like trailers and stuff. Yeah, that's that's brilliant. That's freaking cool. Yeah, San Diego Comic Con needs to do that. They really do. Everyone else is doing it. Everyone else is eating your lunch, San Diego Comic Con. But San Diego Comic Con knows they don't have to do it. I know. Well, at least like places like Marvel do their own sort of live streams, and you can like see like cast members and stuff like that. So that's really cool. I, I don't know if this statistic was true, but like I saw it come across my Twitter feed there. But something like during San Diego Comic Con, they take in something ridiculous like eight million dollars a day or something like that. It would. Does that include like all the vendors and everything? I don't know if it does or if it does. I think that might have just been merch. It it makes sense. That makes sense. <laughs> yeah, I I, I don't de- I I don't deny that at all. I would not be shocked if that was the case. And I'm sure yeah. you could argue, it's like, well, actually, if you count it this way, it's more. And I'm like, yeah, I would assume so. <laughs> yeah. yeah pe- people have always asked me, it's like, oh, you know, hey, Joel, do you want to go to San Diego Comic-Con? You know, you're going to be there this year? I-, I-, I don't even know what I would do if I went there. Like, it's so huge now. It's just like a sea of people. And everyone I do know who is gone doesn't have nice things to say about it. Yeah, well, like, I've heard, like, Stuff like people say, like, oh, it's crap, you never get to see what you want. And other people said it's fantastic, but you need to go see the, the full week or however long it's on. Yeah. And, yeah, it varies. And I guess it, it's down to personal taste. And plus, too, I think it's changed a lot in just, like, the last couple of years as well. Yeah, it wouldn't surprise me, especially with, like, all these comic book movies and everything. It's got more, like, movie-centric and it's, I mean, it's, stuff it's, like it's, that. They call it the San Diego Comic-Con, but they should really call it the San Diego Media Festival now because it's about so much more than yeah. comics now. I mean, comics have become a footnote in the whole thing. Perhaps a better question is, I would love to go to San Diego Comic-Con if I had a time machine and I could travel to like 10 years ago and check it out then. That'd be really weird. Go, go to it like the year they announce Iron Man. Oh, wow, that would have been like 2005 or something. Yeah, wouldn't that be a historic thing? Yeah, and it would be even fucked up as well because, like, as well as Iron Man, they announced, like, Hulk and Ant-Man or something. Something like that, yeah, they announced a lot there. Yeah. What else would you do in 2005 if you had a time machine to go to 2005? Go see Batman Begins again? Yeah, go see Batman Begins in theaters. Yeah, that'd be fun. 
go, go warn everyone about King Kong. You'll forget about this one in time. <laughs> Shit. Go see Sin City and be like, man, I hope they never make a sequel to this one long after everyone stopped caring. That's uh, uh, spoil lost. Yeah, spoil lost for everyone. Uh, he just kind of lies down with the dog at the end, but it's really good up yeah. until that point. Yeah, they're all in purgatory. <laughs> you, know, you know what you do in 2005? You go back and tell people about Lost. You're like, look, watch everything but the final episode, then just make up your own ending. You'll be a lot happier. <laughs> go see The Ring 2. On second thought, no, don't go see The Ring 2. I'd stop Zack Snyder from making a Superman film. <laughs> How would you stop him? Just, like, kick him in the balls and be like, no, no. I'd make him late for meetings or something. <laughs> Yo, you could enjoy all the great 2005 music like Ma Humps <laughs> from the Black Eyed Peas <laughs> off their number one album, Monkey Business. Oh, I could go see Revenge of the Sith in cinemas. Oh, there you go. Yo, and then you could follow it up by listening to some Candy Shop from Fiddy <laughs> or Gold Digger by Kanye. Yeah, I guess that was the beginning of Kanye, wasn't it? That was like one of his first big hits. Yeah. Oh, Feel Good Inc. was also that. Your Demon Days from the Gorillas. That's that's actually good. God damn. 2005 was a good year. 2005 was actually a good year. 2005, uh, Foo Fighters came out with their album Best of You. I think that was the last CD I actually bought. God damn, I haven't bought a CD in ages. Yep, yeah, Best of You 2005 Foo Fighters was legitimately the last CD I totally bought. Huh. Man, there's so much. I'm actually looking at the Billboard charts for that year. It was all Black Eyed Peas. My humps don't uh, don't funk with my heart. Just a God little damn. bit from Fifty Man. Man, too. I'm so nostalgic for the year 2005 right now. Let's actually build a time machine. Yo, oh, Beverly Hills from uh, Weezer. That was also 2005. Jesus, what a good year 2005. <laughs> I wish I could go back to that time, to that time, to that time. <laughs> Actually, no, it wasn't all good. Uh, photograph from Nickelback was also a big hit that year. Oh. Look at this photograph. Every time I do it makes me laugh. Hey, just sing it in vowels. <laughs> that was like one of the last funniest Family Guy jokes ever. From Seth MacFarlane, yeah. Oh, God, Axel F. from Crazy Frog was also big in 2005. Oh, God, no, please. Speaking of Family Guy, actually, hey, there's another thing I was doing in 2005, actually watching Family Guy. <laughs> <laughs> that was when it was like, uh, you could deal with it. Yeah, when it was like at its zenith. Uh, it's so funny you should mention Family Guy, too. I, uh, I actually went back and watched, like, the first two episodes of Family Guy, like, last night just on a laugh because I had people over, and they wanted to watch something, and I'm just like, no, I don't watch Family Guy anymore. I'm like, okay, fine, we'll, we'll watch the first two episodes, and I'll try and remind myself what I liked about this show. <laughs> it's it's really hilarious you go back and you watch it, and it's really hard in 2016 not to see all the writing tricks that apparently we were all too blind to see before where it's like, wow, the main plots are always paper thin so they can accommodate more cutaway gags. Yep. Also, the first season of Family Guy is only seven episodes, and that was in 1999. Mm-hmm. Which it's like, man, Family Guy is way older than you think, too, because they were making jokes about, like, VHSs and, like, oh, no, the cable's out. What do we do? 
Yeah, it's it's a lot older than a lot of people think. Same with like The Simpsons. I don't think people nowadays who watch like newer viewers of The Simpsons realize that was a show that started in the eighties. Yeah. Well, well, late nineties, like eighty nine, I think was the first one. Yeah. Which shit, eighty nine year the first Batman came out too. Yeah. Family Guy has such a weird history too because it ran from like nineteen ninety nine to 2003 on and off then it was cancelled didn't come back till 2005 mm-hmm. then it got cancelled again and didn't come back till much later till like 2000 uh, 2007 2008 yeah geez and it's and it's still on now even though some people I'm sure would argue maybe it should have stopped yeah like Gotham we wonder who watches this it. This fucking Gotham, man. I love that picture you showed me of Gotham where you're like, hey, Joel, <laughs> hey, Joel, here's, here's the mutant leader for Gotham. And I'm like, fuck off. <laughs> I remember someone on Facebook sent me that. And then, and they're like, hey, guess who this is in Gotham? I'm like, ah, Killer Croc. And they're like, no, no, that would actually make sense. This is the mutant leader from Dark Knight Returns. And I had the exact same reaction you had. Fuck off it is. Why Why the mutant leader? Why now? Why Gotham? What are you, what are you even doing anymore? I, I guess, like, in this next season, Bruce is going to be an old man now. <laughs> and he's going to be suiting up as Batman. Like, why don't they just do that already? It's just, he- just time skip 10 years and just set up fucking batman it's even dumber because like the mutant leader has a bunch of spikes growing out of him yeah implying that he's an actual mutant the mutant gang weren't actual mutants no they were just hillbillies yeah they were they were punk kids which is hilarious because that's the mutant leader's line where it's like no we'll show them we're more than just punk kids no you, you actually are punk kids playing dress up is the thing <laughs> Yeah, I also heard like another rumor that like one of the plots this season is like because what's his name, fucking Hugo Strange is in there. They're, they're like making clones of Jerome and Bruce. <laughs> I'm sorry, the air just got sucked out of my lungs when you said that. <laughs> You're stroking out. I'm, I'm I'm sorry. I just I just it's like I'll never be cheerful again. <laughs> <laughs> so who is watching that show? That, that's what I keep wondering. Like, how does this? How is this show on its third season, third or fourth season? It's like, gotta, who who is watching this? Well, I, okay, I know one person, uh, Caitlin, who uh, who helped guest while you were away. There, she's big into cosplay, so I guess the costume community really likes that show because it's like a freaking drag show every week. <laughs> yeah, I suppose like Mister Freeze and um. Uh, who is that? Uh, Azrael. And, it's yeah. basically DIY costuming every week where it's like, I can make that. I can make that too. <laughs> I mean, that's not really a good thing when every costume is like, yeah, I can make that on my budget. <laughs> that's probably not a good thing. And I mean, may- maybe people who love cringe but don't but don't love comics as much where they're like, look, we know this is bad, but we don't have like the good stuff to compare it to, so like we just enjoy it for the cringe factor. Well, that's like I don't like as I said before, I don't know why they're not going to do a time jump and skip into Batman because like I imagine like those whole embargo things are off the table because like Superman's going to be in Supergirl, so. Yeah, maybe they'll retool it. Tell you what, if they retool the show and be like, look, next season Gotham actually has Batman in it, maybe I'll watch. Yeah, maybe, yeah that's it. maybe I'll, I'll give it a go. Or maybe they're trying to think, well, maybe we should wrap up Gotham and then do a sequel season that's like Batman of Gotham. Well, like, I remember when this show first got announced and we, we originally thought it was going to be based on uh, 
Gotham Central. Yeah, which is... Like, that makes perfect sense for it to be based on that, but then they go off and do all this crazy shit with Laurie Petty as a Joker and all this random shit. Which, man, that should tell you how much uh, Gotham drops the ball. Laurie Petty is the goddamn Joker and I don't want to watch it. That should (laughs) be the... That should should be be yeah. It should be the greatest thing ever. I should be chomping at the bit to see freaking Livewire, freaking Tank Girl dress up as the Joker, but I don't want to see it. <laughs> Man, she was great in Orange is the New Black this season. I don't know if you've watched it. I'm like two seasons behind on that show. She's really good. She plays a crazy person, and she's really good. Oh, really? She plays a crazy person? I know, right? How out there. Who, who would have seen it coming, right? Even when she plays a sane person, she plays a crazy person. <laughs> Man, I love Lori Petty, but she might be way too intense for me. <laughs> I, I've often said it before, but I always remember growing up and hearing her voice as live wire. I'm like, oh, I have such a crush on this woman until I got older and really got to see her. And I'm like, oh, you aren't interested in men like at all, are you, Lori Petty? <laughs> It's, it's like if you look up the word lesbian in a dictionary, like, you know, like out and proud, you would probably see a picture of her and be like, yep, yep, that's cool. Right on. Well, we can be friends, though. <laughs> <laughs> we, we can hang out and you can tell me about all your adventures. <laughs> uh, but yeah, that's where, where were we even talking about. How did we even get on here? I think young Han Solo was how we got on here. <laughs> the tangents. The freaking tangents, man. Oh, God, it's one of those episodes. Uh so uh, DC, because uh, we already talked about all the Marvel links and everything, DC actually has some new miniseries that uh, they're coming out with. Yeah, interesting miniseries. Uh-huh, some very interesting ones. They seem to be going for cult appeal here. The first one is called Hawkman and Adam Strange Out of Time. It's going to, no surprise, star Hawkman and Adam Strange. Well, I'd be surprised if it didn't star them. <laughs> Hawkman and Adam Strange Out of Time actually stars Batman and Robin. <laughs> Yeah, I'm going to read this mainly because it says out of time, which means it's probably going to be a multiverse sort of travel experience. You think so? That would be interesting. I know the synopsis that they gave basically says, you know, Adam Strange and Hawkman must come together to stop a war between Thanagar and Rand because apparently that's the only story you can tell with these two characters. Oh, so so we're doing the Rand-Thanagarian war again. Again, for like the fourth time now. Uh, Are we building up to, what is it, identity crisis again? Final crisis? (laughs) Final, final crisis. (laughs) Identity, identity crisis. (laughs) But yeah, so they're getting together to do this, which is funny because if you read Jeff Lemire's Justice League of America book, which featured Adam Strange and Hawkman, it seemed like they were doing it there too, then they just kind of stopped. Yeah, well, maybe this book might explain that. They got lost in time somewhere. I suppose so. Or Hawkman, you know, just got lost wherever because no one gives a shit about Hawkman. <laughs> I was in the writer's limbo. Ooh. Yeah, I'm sorry, Hawkman. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> He really was in the goddamn writer's limbo hogging. They killed me like three times during Future's End, and then they killed me in my own book, but then I was still alive. Yeah, that's that's, how, it's all right, it's all right. He's important in Justice at the moment, so that's I cool. guess, yeah. It's, it's amazing. I know we rag on Hawkman a lot, but it is funny to think that no one cares about a character so much that they killed him multiple times in different books at the same time and then brought him yeah. back. yeah. It's it's cool to see a spacefaring book. We don't have a lot of spacefaring uh, DC books at the moment. No. I would like to see them build up the cosmic side with this, and that looks to be what this is doing, like a straight-up DC cosmic book. That's not Green Lantern. Yeah, it looks good. 
it does look good. And from the cosmic side of things to the magical side of things, Dead Man is getting a mini series. Yeah, and the book's t- like title sounds like a bad romance novel that like middle-aged mums read. And that's kind of what they're going for. It's called Dead Man Dark Mansion of Forbidden Love, and it's coming out in October in time for Halloween. Yeah, it's interesting. I like Dead Man as a character. He's an interesting concept. Uh, yeah, I, I like what he's going on. Boston Brandt. He's got a great yeah. detective name. Yeah, so that's going to be pretty interesting, especially if it has to do with, like, obviously, like Dark Mansion, maybe like a haunted mansion or something. Mm-hmm. They seem to be billing it as like, uh, as like as like you said, like a romance novel is what is. Yeah, it's a dark gothic romance novel starring Dead Man. Yeah, it'd be cool if this was the mansion, like, because we see it on the front cover, if it was the mansion from Justice League Dark. Mmm, that would be cool. Was that the House of Secrets? Uh, yes. Okay, that's awesome, because the House of Secrets was also where the Secret Six hung out for a bit. Mm-hmm. That was their base of operations. The House of Secrets, too, is also a reference to an old horror anthology that DC used to put out. It was like their Tales from the Crypt. So, yeah, if, if, if it's the House of Secrets and if it's Dead Man, I think that would be a really interesting book, actually. Yeah. Especially because, like we said, there is really no horror side of the DC Universe at the moment. No, there isn't. Except for maybe Constantine, but, I mean, that's uh, and, I mean, that has to hold up everything. Yeah, well, there, there will be a horror thing. Like, when, when does Red Hood and the Outlaws come out? <laughs> that's pretty horrifying, isn't it? <laughs> I know I'm scared even just passing it. I'm like, ooh, too spooky for me. (laughs) Can't read that one. Too spooky. I'm going to have to do, like, one of those uh, face cam reaction things that people do for, like, Five Nights at Freddy's. But instead of, uh, what is it, instead of doing it for video games, I'll need to do it for comics. I'll need to just be reading it and then be like, ooh, so scary. Yeah, ooh, so scary. The shit writing. Ooh. Ooh, jump, jump. Ooh, Scott Lobdell being horrible. (laughs) I nearly jumped out of my skin on that one. <laughs> uh, hey, Halloween's coming up. Maybe I should do it. <laughs> uh, the last uh, miniseries they announced there, Vigilante is going to be getting a brand new miniseries. Now, Matt, tell me what you know about Vigilante. Uh, Vigilante is a hero. That's he, it. He sure is. He's actually several heroes. He's one of the strangest legacy heroes in DC history. I'm sure the vigilante most people remember is the cowboy from Justice League uh, United, or Justice League Unlimited, yep. I should say, from the cartoon. Uh, that was Greg Sanders. He was the first vigilante. There have been several more, much less interesting vigilantes since then. Yeah, they've always tried to make it a little bit edgy. Yeah, they've always kind of been like, ooh, what if DC had a Punisher type thing? And that never works out whenever they try. Yeah, the thing is, they've never gone that far, though. They've no. never gone like full puncher which is i think held back the character a little bit a little bit definitely i mean also the other vigilantes of which there's been several their costumes look really bad they're like mm-hmm. you know these weird wetsuit singlet things that i'm sure looked really high tech and cool when the character was first thought of but it's not anymore mm-hmm. this new vigilante miniseries is going to be like vigilante southland justice and it's going to deal with like a kid in California, you know, he's a young African-American living in a bad neighborhood. He's a former basketball player, which made me laugh because I'm like, wait, isn't that exactly what Marvel is doing with Mosaic right now? Mm-hmm. Isn't, isn't he also a retired basketball player? Seriously, are you two looking at each other's tests again? Because <laughs> it looks like you basically more or less came up with the same character. 
Now, there, there's a battle you and me, Matt, are going to have to do. We might have to resurrect our old versus series there, and we might have to have this new vigilante versus Mosaic who wins. <laughs> no one wins that battle. What, what would we call that? Similar hero showdown or something like that? <laughs> Super showdown or something like that. I don't, it'll be our own answer to death battle. <laughs> Super duper showdown of the similar characters. But yeah, so that'll just about do it for the news. Uh, Lots of stuff to be happy about. Lots of stuff to be positive about, I must say. Yeah, and I'm sure next week is going to be a lot busier as well because of San Diego Comic-Con. Yeah, holy shit. We keep putting off doing our first commentary. I'm like, look, Matt, I promise first week there's no news going on. We'll give the people a commentary instead of like a half-assed show. And yet news just keeps on happening. Yeah, stop announcing stuff, people. Yeah, I know. Never have I actively wished for there to not be news so we could do something else. (laughs) (laughs) No, that's a bad news. Stop it. Stop it. Stop happening. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So I guess from there we can hop into what we read this week. Uh, What did you have going on, Matt? It was a fairly decent week. Uh, Let me bring up my list. Um, I had some really cool comics. I read everything from... DC, so I, of course, had Action Comics 959. Yep, I read that too. I read most things this week, but I kind of dragged ass near the end there because obviously birthday stuff and everything. But yeah, Action Comics was cool. It was, and the thing I really liked about it is while this Doomsday fight was happening, it was pretty much mirroring the original fight. It sure was. Because a gas main explodes this issue, and in the original Death of Superman story, pretty much the same thing happens. Yeah, yeah, it really does. And uh, I thought that was cool. Uh, maybe this is like a sign about what's happening. Maybe history repeating itself yeah, a little yeah. bit. I uh, I really respected the story because I like uh, Lois watching it on TV and she gets the bulk of the internal monologue this issue and she's pretty much saying, you know, do I tell Jonathan, do I tell my son the truth or, you know, do I lie to him and say, no, daddy's going to be fine. That giant doomsday monster's not going to kill him <laughs> again. Yeah, yeah, like last time. Yeah, like last time. What, what do you mean last time? I'm, oh, nothing. Yeah, nothing, nothing. Also, the art callbacks to Death of Superman have been on point. So like, many. panels recreated by the current artist. I can't remember his name. Um, but, yeah, completely on point with all the art artist callbacks and everything which is really cool just the art in general this was like an eye meltingly beautiful Mm. issue yeah lots of lots of cool panels and splash pages and everything every splash page was like you know like poster quality yeah also did you notice like with this this clark ken that's been wandering around he was he was talking about how he superman said for him to go and hide hide for a couple of weeks or something yeah yeah so yeah, that's kind of weird. What what are we thinking for this Clark Kent? Are we thinking he's whatever is left over from the imposter Superman from uh, Super League, or are we thinking that this is like some clone or something made by Mister Oz? Uh, I don't know. It could be a clone. Like I originally uh, speculated because of what we saw with, with the Eradicator's birth. Maybe it was the Eradicator. Yeah, but now um, we got the Eradicator in another book, so that ain't it. <laughs> No, no, well, I think it still might be that Eradicator, because that Eradicator, to take on a full form, he actually, like, like uh, disintegrated Clark's glasses. Right. So, like, maybe that might be, like, a hint or something. Um, another thing is it might be the New 52 Superman, who's been reborn 
but as a human, as Clark Kent, and he only has these Clark Kent memories. Hmm, interesting. That would be really interesting. I'd like to see that played out. Yeah. Huh, I guess uh, I guess from action comics we can go to detective comics. That was another really stellar issue this week. I, I dare say as it stands right now, there's a part of me that might actually like what Detective is doing now more than what main Batman is doing. It's a pretty cool issue. The only thing I had wrong with it is that this felt like this big reveal that happens in this issue should have been maybe in a couple more issues until we find out a little bit more about the colony. I, I think there's got to be more to the twist than what we saw. Yeah, I, I think so as well. But yeah, I still would have liked a little bit more uh, knowledge about the uh, colony instead of um, uh, Kane's uh, sort of, we're going to build a wall of Batman around America. Yeah, and... really, and keep them all out. Well, well, here's the thing. How, how familiar were you with, uh, with Batwoman and her dad before? Not really. Okay, see, I, I went back and I reread Elegy and I read a bunch of other stuff. Honestly, this twist and his Breaking Bad turn... It's something they've kind of had in the background and have been foreshadowing for a long time. Their relationship has always kind of been like a dark mirror to the Alfred-Bruce relationship, where it's like, mm -hmm. look, honey, I love you. I'll help you with, you with your war on crime, but I don't like the way you do it. And if I could do it my way, I would do it totally different. And it was always talk before, but now he's actually doing it. Yeah, he's bringing his game. Yeah, he's actually bringing his A game. And it's like you almost can't be mad at him. Because it's like, he's been honest with you this whole time, and he even gave you and the sidekicks a way out. Yeah. He's like, yeah. look, come and lead me, or come and lead this group as I always intended for you. Bring the kids with you, and we'll just do it that way. And she's obviously like, no, get get bent, motherfucker. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> also, also, it sort of begs the question, like, what's going to happen with Batman now? Because he, he, by all intents and purposes, has been kidnapped by these colony people. Yeah. So, like, are they going to reveal his identity? Are they going to mm. kill him? or Are they going to cornhole him repeatedly? Because <laughs> that's how they roll. <laughs> it's like, really, this was all part of your master plan. Step one, kidnapping. Step two, cornholing. Step three, profit. <laughs> <laughs> I don't see how you profit off this. <laughs> I, I'm just really happy it wasn't the Arkham Knight, because I know everyone kept saying that. Like, were they bringing the Arkham Knight into the comics? And I'm like, I hope not. And so, you know, if they actually did that, Jeff Johns might actually, like, that thing he said about it being an original character might come true, and he'd be like, ha-ha, see, I told you. Yeah, really, I was right, it was a long game. <laughs> Aren't I great? Actually, uh, here, here's another funny thing about Detective Comics. Uh, James Tynan, the writer, was doing, like a, like, a Twitter AMA as he was waiting for a plane, and a bunch of people were asking him stuff, and I actually managed to get on in there and ask him something too and i said you know why well, why clayface was the one that you picked for the team did it ever cross your mind to use mr freeze and he basically confirmed what i had been saying forever and he's like yeah i thought about it but scott has mr freeze for uh for all-star batman <laughs> <laughs> so i think that basically confirms that mr freeze will be made an actual hardcore villain again yeah, well, that might be interesting. I hope that they make him a bit more sympathetic as well. I like the sympathetic freeze. Me too. And, like, it, it's funny because Tynan wrote the story that more or less robbed him of his sympathy. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's kind of ironic. Yeah, for him to be like, yeah, there, ne there never was a Nora. Nora never existed. This new 52 version of Freeze is just a crazy peckerwood who is obsessed <laughs> with a woman he never actually met. <laughs> 
Although that being said, now that we know this is the same universe just with 10 years stolen by the Watchmen, maybe this is where Snyder will work his magic and be like, did we say that he never knew Nora? Because what we actually meant was, yes, he did. <laughs> ba- ba- Batman was wrong. Ba- Batman was fucking with him. <laughs> Batman was, was trolling him. Yeah, it was all part of like some special Arkham therapy troll to make him think that Nora didn't exist when she actually <laughs> did. Which, which, when Freeze finds that out, that would make him even more angry, wouldn't it? And make him want to kill Batman that much harder. It would. It would make him really, really angry. Shit, that's not a bad twist, actually, and have Mr. Freeze been like, you know what, I've been sitting on my hands doing nothing for the last couple years, but I'm ready to finally go back and be the villain I was always meant to be. You know, that, that could be like a new, um, what was that story? Was it Identity Crisis where they erased um, Dr. Light's mind? That was the one, yeah, to make him less threatening. Yeah, and they could they could do something similar to that, like a, a new version of that, but with Mr. Freeze, mm. and Mr. Freeze is out for blood because Batman kind of fucked him over with Nora and everything. <laughs> Which is funny, because in Identity Crisis, Batman was the one who was disgusted yeah, at yeah, the exactly. idea of them wiping people's minds. Exactly, to be like kind of a twist on the old storyline and everything. Yeah, to be like, ooh, so it's fine when you do it, Batman, but when we do it... <laughs> we're somehow horrible I really did think that identity crisis thing I found that to be like when you think of it ethically really horrifying This it idea is it of, is really horrifying yeah us heroes reaching into your mind and changing you and they're like yeah but it's Dr. Light though and you know he he, he raped a woman so what were we going to do where it's like ugh, I mean yeah he was a monster but you've taken away a piece of his monstrous humanity. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and it, like in wiping his mind, you have also become a monster. Yeah, I mean, you reached into his mind and mind raped him, more or less. <laughs> yeah. You are literally eye for an eyeing it now. And it's hilarious, too, because it's like, you know, thinking of it like throughout the history of comics, where it's like sometimes, you know, villains are kind of wacky and non threatening, and sometimes they're more threatening, where it's like, oh, is that what happens when a villain goes from threatening to non threatening? threatening the heroes just fucked with their minds <laughs> to make them less threatening but yeah i mean now not to t- dwell on identity crisis a story from a long time ago uh what else did you have matt um i had new superman issue one. Oh yes 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 i read that too this was an interesting book i was not expecting what this book was throwing down it's a really cool twist on the Superman mythos. Yeah, yeah. Instead of being like, you know, a flag-waving, all-American apple pie-eating good guy, Keenan Kong, the hero we follow here, he is a dickbag. Yeah, he's a big dickbag. He's a bully. Also, he's bullying a kid when we see him. But also, I like the reasoning for why he's bullying that kid as well. It's a very clever reason. It is, and yeah, I, I I had conversations with people who were like screaming like, "Oh, this book isn't like Superman," and I'm like, "This book isn't like Superman because it's not Superman. It's, it's new. someone else. It's new super. It's hyphen, in the man. title. It's in the title. It's right there. Uh, it's cool too. I like uh, from like a theming and symbology standpoint how they make planes a big factor in this story. Yeah, and yeah, planes obviously yeah a big thing of. Superman mythology because you know there's that classic image of him saving a plane and he does it in just about everything all the movies all the cartoons he always does something with planes and to make planes a big you know factor in this Keenan kid's life I thought was actually really smart yeah it's really great and this is written by the guy who actually wrote uh, Superman in action comics for a while Uh, just 
Superman for a while. He wrote the um that storyline with um Ulysses. Oh, nice, nice. Oh, not Ulysses. The one after that, the um, ah, uh, the one where he wore the t-shirt and everything. Oh yeah, and when he was powerless. Yeah. That, and that, um, that's funny. Yeah. You you confused me for a bit because you said Ulysses. I'm like, wait, the Inhuman who can see the future. I'm like, no, wait, they, <laughs> they were both called Ulysses. <laughs> the fuckers are the odds of that. <laughs> Are there not enough gr- great Greek names? You couldn't call him Homer? <laughs> but, uh, yeah, it was, it was a pretty cool series. Um, and we got the, the, the Chinese ripoff of Batman and Wonder Woman. Man, in China, there's counterfeits of everything. Yeah. <laughs> Even superheroes. <laughs> that was great. I wonder how Batman would feel that someone else is running around dressed like him. Uh, I think you. Well, I was gonna say Batman Inc. There's guys running around as Batman all over the place, but I doubt the Chinese Bat hyphen Man is a member of Batman Inc. Is Batman Inc. even still a thing? Uh, it should be. They just haven't mentioned it in forever. <laughs> They're like, oh yeah, I fund this Bat group from around the world. I forgot about that. Actually, that's a good question. I think someone asked me that in the comment section. It's like, was there a Chinese member of Batman Inc.? And I'm like, uh, there was a Japanese member. Of Batman Inc. I don't know actually. Yeah, I'm, I don't know. It's it's funny too. In this book, they make a big issue of saying, you know, uh, you know, he's the first American-styled superhero. You know, American-style supervillain, implying that there have been Chinese heroes and villains before, but they haven't been America-style. Well, yeah, we got the um, who was it? The Great Ten. Yeah, 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 yeah. And they they were they weren't very Americanized. They were really in that Japanese mythos. Chinese. You know, we had a yeah Chinese mythos. We had like we had like a guy who was like a tiger and like all the stuff to do like I, magic I, and everything. I really loved the design of the Great Ten. I was actually kind of upset that when they brought the Great Ten back, they didn't bring them in this issue. Oh, I imagine they'll come back. You got to ease things into this. I, I, I guess so. Yeah, I mean, may, maybe that'll be the whole divide they're doing there. Like maybe the traditional Chinese heroes don't like these new American style heroes. Yeah, yeah. And maybe they'll like go to war or something over it. Yeah, that, that'll be pretty cool. It's fun too that they have a whole book set in China and they never say the word communism once. <laughs> It's coming. It's coming. <laughs> well, his dad is a weird conspiracy junkie. He's like, oh, I'm yeah. trying to uncover corruption within the government. And I'm like, a, a communistic government, you know, that's all about, you know, keeping people out and everything and mistreating its people. Really, they're corrupt. I could have told you that. I, I saw I saw a, uh, someone suggest that maybe his father was Blue Condor. Yeah, someone suggested that to me, too. Interesting theory. It's it's possible. Wouldn't that be? That would be a way to like fuck over the government. He's a villain who's messing around with like Mm -hmm. like people and blowing up buildings and everything. You know. And wouldn't that be some shit too? If you're trying to put some twists on the Superman mythos, there to be like, yeah, Superman's dad is a villain. Yes, Superman's Lex Luthor is a villain. Is his father? father. Yeah, wouldn't that that be some shit? Yeah. There's a lot of cool directions this book can go. Yeah, I'm really excited for it. A lot of, a lot of cool places that one could go. And, well, I guess because I mentioned Ulysses there before, I guess we'll talk about it. Civil War 2 number 3 came out this week. Yeah, it was, it was a courtroom drama. It was a courtroom drama. Like, that's the thing. Like, you know, it, it's really easy to shit on this book for all the things it does wrong, but I will give it an endless amount of credit for always surprising me, and whenever I think it's going to go right, it ends up going left. Yeah, yeah, it was really cool. I really like how they they framed this book as like Matt Murdock grilling Tony Stark and K 
Carol Danvers and all these, and Clint Barton and everything. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Apparently, he's going to be getting another tie, and apparently, they're still coming out with uh, Civil War two tie-ins, and there's going to be one called The Accused, and it's going to focus on Matt Murdock. Cool. I'm going to read that one. Yeah, which is interesting because Matt Murdock usually doesn't get event tie-ins. Usually, he stays as far away from events as he can. Well, you know, he's got a series. I I guess so, I guess so. It it doesn't affect the main series. It's an outside one. (laughs) Oh, no, I mean, like, he's got a TV series, so he's popular. Yes, so so, so he's got to show up to more of the events than he never did. Uh, I will say this, though. Were you you reading Totally Awesome Hulk? I was not, no. Well, here's the thing. I I read the last couple issues because they were banner-centric stories. This is another classic case of Honey Bendis don't give a fuck. Because he completely disregarded everything Pac was writing, writing about <laughs> Banner. And it's even more egregious and even more in your face because the actual quote-unquote tie-in issues to Civil War II, which aren't really tie-in issues, they were just issues they were going to tell anyway that they slapped it onto, those are all, bend- or those are all Banner-centric stories. <laughs> and Ben just didn't give a shit when he wrote this because when Carol and Tony find Banner, he's in a completely different place doing completely different things than he is in the Totally Awesome Hulk book. So what was he doing in the book? Uh, well, in well, obviously in Civil War II, you find out he was in a secret lab. He was experimenting uh-huh. with gamma cells and everything. In yep. the Totally Awesome Hulk book, he made peace with not being the Hulk anymore and he was trying to help out Amadeus Cho and he was hanging out with him in his base. Oh, yeah, well, Honey Bendis don't give a fuck. Honey Bendis does not give a fuck. Now, look, as, as, I, as I said elsewhere, and I'll say again, Bendis writes his books incredibly far in advance, so I would not be shocked at all if he had written this a long time ago, and this was supposed to be the twist before Totally Awesome Hulk and everything really got rolling and started moving in that direction. Maybe mm-hmm. he didn't do it maliciously, but here's the thing. If that's the case, if you're an editor, it's your job to fix that shit. Yeah. Now there there isn't a chance that like the totally awesome Hulk, the stuff with Banner and everything could be like before everything in Civil War Three happens, like a couple of months before he starts testing on himself or something. I mean, it's possible, but it doesn't quite seem to line up yet, at least. Unless in the next issue of Totally Awesome Hulk, they say, "Oh, and this happened then." Oh, this, uh, yeah. The next issue will be like that. Oops, we fucked up. Here's what really happened. Yeah, that's the thing too. You know, it w- it wouldn't be Bendis who would have to go back and rewrite it because it's Bendis. They would put all that workload on Greg Pak to be like, okay, no, you make it make sense now, Greg Pak. <laughs> because Bendis is Golden Boy. Uh, yeah, I mean, the whole big thing here is we actually see the death of a major character. We see the death of Bruce Banner, Hulk, which makes sense why he's in none of those Marvel leaks. Yep. Gets killed by Hawkeye, who was told to kill him by Bruce Banner. Uh, upon his request. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I mean, the trial is basically like, you know, did did Hawkeye do the right thing? Who is who is culpable in this situation? Was it Carol's fault for basically bringing an entire model, uh, armada of superheroes up to his door and forcing the situation? Honestly, I think yes, yes it was. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it was really cool, like, how Hawkeye was saying, like, you guys didn't see it. My eyes are better than everyone else. I saw a flicker of green in his eyes, of course, so then, I took the shot. Of course, then when they show us the panel, you don't actually see a flicker of green in his eyes, which makes you <laughs> as the reader question, wait, did he really see that, or did the artist just fuck up? Well, like, that's the f- the funny thing. Like, before that, when, when, it, when it happened before the, that flashback, you actually do see it, but in the flashback, you don't. Yeah, it's it's so it's, yeah, it makes you like, well, what's going on here? It's did it happen or didn't it happen? 
Uh, Tony has a great line, too, because he's just like, he's so done. He's so defeated. And he's like, Carol, I, I hate what we've become here. We're not avenging. We're not protecting or defending anymore. Yeah. What are we doing? Yeah, yeah. I, I, I seriously think that, like, obviously we're going to see him step down as Iron Man. I think he's going to, like, go back on the booze, maybe. Ooh, wouldn't that be some shit? Like, like the the ending of this book, like, before uh, Friday worked out how Ulysses' brain works and everything, it looked like he was like, he's like, I'm so done with it. Where's my Jack Daniels bottle? Yeah, really. And then he'll spin off into a brand new series called The Alcoholic Iron Man. <laughs> <laughs> Man, imagine how that series would go. The alcoholic Iron Man. It's just Tony shitting his pants and showing up you, late for everything. You just call it like the boozed up billionaire. <laughs> no, he's not the Iron Avenger anymore. He's the boozy billionaire. <laughs> Every issue was just him finding a new bar and then for 22 pages he just sits there. <laughs> I miss Rhodey. Drink, drink, drink. Uh, I was Iron Man, goddammit. <laughs> and then, you know, for the special issues, it's him drunk dialing Pepper. <laughs> and Pepper, like, Tony, don't, don't, don't call me when you're drunk, please. <laughs> yeah, I know, I know. <laughs> Final drunk dial MJ now. <laughs> she works for me. I can try. He just starts drunk dialing everybody on like the only all different Avengers team. <laughs> Sam Wilson's like, look, Tony, I love you, but I'm dealing with my own shit right now. You can't keep calling. <laughs> Calls Miss Marvel there. It's like, I, I can't. I'm not even old enough to drink yet. What are you doing? <laughs> look, look, you're going to have to learn how to deal with drunk Tony at some point. <laughs> All Avengers have to do it. It's a rite of passage. Now come pick me up. I'm too drunk to drive. <laughs> really, this is your thing now? You're calling teenagers to come and pick you up because you're too drunk to drive, Tony? I'm the alcoholic Iron Man. <laughs> oh, geez. That's, that, that's a pitch. Get someone on that. Get Duggan on that. He'll write the shit out of that. <laughs> but yes, back on Civil War II, Banner is dead, and that's bad for everybody. Yep. Uh, I like to, again, I mentioned the Young Avengers a second ago. I like how the Young Avengers are fed up with this shit, too, and they're fed up with the idea of heroes fighting other heroes, which I'm like, man, isn't that a bit of meta-commentary? Yeah, yeah, and I like that. There's, like, panels there with um, Miles Morales and Sam Alexander. Like, they're like, man, this is this is heavy. I choose Iron Man, and they're like, yeah, me too. He seems right. It's funny, maybe I'm reading all the wrong books, but literally every time I've been reading so far, everybody disagrees with Miss Marvel, or everyone disagrees with Captain Marvel. Am I reading the wrong books? I, I, yeah, no, I've seen that as well. Like, they completely disagree with her. Like, they're making her out to be the bad guy. They really are, which is funny, because they were making Tony out to be the bad guy in Civil War or original but that seemed to be like they were doing that unintentionally. Like, it's yeah. just as that series went on, he became more and more of a bad guy. I, I haven't read one where anyone agrees with her. Now, I imagine the Captain Marvel book agrees with her. And I imagine... <laughs> no, the, you'd, you'd be surprised. Yeah, you, yeah, it was, yeah for, freaking Black Panther and Miss America's like, nah, this is bullshit, you're profiling. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, I'm sure that book, uh, like Ultimates and Captain Marvel, I'm sure they agree. Maybe a force because she's on that team too. Do the Inhumans agree with her? Because I mean, Ulysses isn't inhuman, but then they also seek to state that Ulysses isn't exactly in love with this arrangement either. Well, like, well, like in the in the recent Inhuman books, they went all out on Tony Stark and 
fucked him over quite badly. And but but was but, that like, because but, they agreed with uh, Carol, or was that just because they were angry at Tony? I was a, I, that's what it's like a bit of both. They were more. It was mainly more because they were angry at Tony for kidnapping Ulysses and scanning his brain and everything. So they fucked his life up. But they, yeah, they, they sort of disagree with Miss uh, Captain Marvel, where but they sort of understand where she's coming from as well. Hell, you mentioned Miss Marvel. Even Kamala Khan, who worships Carol Danvers and looks up to her as a mentor and everything, even she doesn't agree with her. Yeah, yeah. Which is freaking amazing. I'm like, wow, even if your little mentee doesn't agree with you anymore, that's some shit. And, and Carol, even in that book, puts way too much pressure on Kamala being like, look, I don't really know how the legal ramifications of this work, so here's a legal team. Go to the street, fight street crime, and see if you can't make this law stick. <laughs> this whole future crime thing. And it's like, uh, Carol, it seems like you're putting a lot on this teenage girl. It's like, just do it. <laughs> and and it's not even like an original Civil War where it's like, man, Tony is such a villain by the end of this. He's so evil and he doesn't even know it. Carol, it's almost something completely different where it's like, you keep doing the same thing over and over again, Carol, and you're shocked when it keeps having disastrous results. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe the problem is we're not seeing all the times the future crime thing works. Like, she talks about, it's like, oh, well, we stopped MODOK, and we stopped the Celestials, and we stopped all this other stuff. It's like, yeah, but we didn't see those adventures, though. Yeah, yeah, they, we don't know what exactly happened. I think I think someone described, I forget who it was, but they basically said, you know, the whole, the whole thrust of the whole ethical and moral quandary of Civil War II basically seems to break down to, you know, would you fire that nuke to stop nuclear war? Well, would you? <laughs> and I'm like, I don't know. It seems pretty bad regardless what I do. Would you fire the nuke to stop nuclear war, though? <laughs> I don't know. Exactly. <laughs> I know nuclear war is bad. That's a thing. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, that's... That's Civil War 2, number 3. I still don't know what to make of this book, because it seems like it changes every issue just when I think I'm ready to nail it down. Yeah, there's, what, six issues of this series? Something like that. Which, technically, yeah. more if you count the free comic book day and the Zero issue and all the other That's stuff. That's true. Yeah. It's, it's more like five issues in now. Yeah. So what else did you have happening, Matt? Um... Back to DC, I had Hal Jordan and the Green Lantern Corps uh, Rebirth. Yes. I also read this just for the hell of it because I had been out of Green Lantern for so long, so I wanted to try and get back in for a second. Good jumping on point. Mm -hmm. Sinestro's old as shit. Yeah, that, that really surprised me when I saw that some old, decrepit uh, Sinestro, and it, that, I guess it sort of has to happen with like what happened in his book, uh, where he sort of gave up power f to his daughter and everything, and sort of use his power to help Earth and everything, and he doesn't have Parallax in him anymore, so but he's I guess that's another thing. But he's keeping him in the basement. Yeah, and I guess that's like another thing that was sort of keeping him alive with all that power. When it's gone, it sort of ate away at his body or something. I mean, they're seeking to imply that, like, Parallax is powering the War World, and War World is mm -hmm. now the center yeah. of the universe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. War World actually takes over Oa's position. Yeah, yeah. In the center of the unit, they go in there and they like blast open all like the um the debris of Oa, and um yeah it was pretty. And then we got like obviously the backstory of Hal Jordan again and up to like the DCU stuff where you got Corona's Gauntlet and and a trench coat. Uh, he, yeah, we understood all that, and then he forges his own ring, a brand That's new ring cool. made of pure will, made of my own will. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, he had too much will that he was becoming will. <laughs> I was so willful. I was so OP. I had to nerf myself in the update. <laughs> yeah, I had to patch myself. <laughs> Hal Jordan was such a broken character class. I had to nerf myself. <laughs> I was too OP. I had too. I had too many skills. I was. The game wasn't even fun anymore. <laughs> And um, what I found really interesting about this comic, we actually got to see Kyle Rayner. Yeah. It's a character we haven't seen in... Forever, from what I understand. Yeah, like, ages. Like, whenever New Guardians finished, whenever that was, and that's gone back a while. It's been a while now. He's still being the White Lantern, and he's still out there doing white stuff. Yeah, no, and they seem seek to imply that he's really important. Yeah. Yeah, for real. He, he's something to do with something to do with the gig galaxy or the universe or something so yeah yeah more uh, more power to him yeah th- that's gonna be a real cool book well it's called hal jordan and the green lantern Corps, so i can only assume once the book gets rolling it's probably gonna be hal jordan traveling around getting the band back together yeah no well he'll probably become like the leader and i guess owner of the green lantern Corps. which wasn't he technically uh, before like wasn't he powering the core off his own energy or something like that previously I think so, but I think he's going to actually become... I don't think the Guardians are going to be as powerful as they were, and he's going to be, like, the big Guardian, sort of like the the main Guardian, since, like, he forged his own ring, which is something only a Guardian should be able to do. And right. I like the, that dialogue. It's like, only the Guardians could forge the, the ring, but, like, I showed them I can do it, and it's like, suck it, Guardian. Yeah, basically, where it's like, fuck you, you little blue pieces of shit. <laughs> hey, you know, in many Green Lantern stories, it basically broke down to, you know, the Guardians might be more evil than anything else. The Guardians might be yeah. the biggest villains in the DC universe. Yeah, well, like, stuff like Blackest Night has happened because of them. And... Uh, the Anti-Monitor was created by Krona, so there you go. Yeah, yeah. The Guardians are basically the most evil characters in the DC universe. <laughs> They're the worst villains. <laughs> but yeah, that one was cool. Ooh, I read uh, Nightwing Rebirth number one this week, too. I read that as well. How sweet was Nightwing? Pretty cool. Midnighter was in it. He was in it. It's another beautiful jumping on point, and it's also the proper ending for Grayson. Yeah, it's, it's cool. He was, he was doing like a... It was like his greatest hits going out to all like the people... Who, who've been in his life and everything. Mm-hmm. You got Spiral. He goes and hangs out in an arcade with Damien. Which and- is such a brilliant idea that this story is framed as Dick telling the story to Damien about everything he's been up to in the last little bit. Yeah, so it makes it seem like the Grayson book is him recounting the story to Damien. Yeah, yeah, and it's so great, too, because Tim Seeley, who, of course, launched Grayson but never got a chance to finish it, no doubt because he had to jump over and start writing Nightwing stories hilariously. Yeah, he, he gets to finish here, and there was a very much air of like, look, I don't care what you did in the annual, I don't care what you did in the last issue, daddy's home, and he's going to finish it right now, and he did. <laughs> and you know something I really liked about this book? What? They kept how Nightwing got his name. Yes, I love that too, he made a solid point of being like, look, Kryptonian legend, Superman told me this story. 
Yeah, it says, suck it, Batman. Yeah, suck it, Batman. I'm better than you. Well, actually, the first new arc is going to be called Better Than Batman. And this whole comic <laughs> had very much an air of better than Batman. Like, look, yep. I'm a better friend to everyone else in the superhero community. I'm a better father and mentor to Damien than you are. And I'm going to be a better hero than you are because I'm going to go fight the Court of Owls all over the world because you can't get out of Gotham. Yeah, I hope your son, when he has bombs in his head... Yeah, that and... was me. That was all me, Batman. Yeah, what did you do, Batman, besides come in and ask what was going on? <laughs> I Two superpower people in in the Gotham. Um, I, I fought Grundy this week. Shut up, Dick. <laughs> I try very hard. <laughs> look, look, I'm training Duke. Right now, Duke, which, which I love too. They're all walking over Wayne Manor. I'm like, hey, doesn't Duke live here now? <laughs> yeah, like, where's Duke in his bright yellow uniform? Duke is trapped in the hedge maze outside. Hello? Hello? <laughs> yeah, yeah, Batman's like, oh, hide in the hedge maze. Don't let anyone see you. <laughs> Alfred's like, damn it, we lost. Oh, Master Bruce, we lost another boy in the hedge maze. <laughs> I'll, <laughs> I'll, I'll throw the robe out and help he finds it. <laughs> <laughs> Bruce is like, oh, we lose more Robins in that hedge maze every year. <laughs> Somewhere Carrie Kelly is walking around in the hedge maze, too. Hey, I'm out here, too. <laughs> I showed up during what the fuck week, got lost in the hedge maze, and haven't been back yet. Harper rose out in the hedge maze, too. Harper, we thought you went away to college. I did, but I woke up in this hedge maze. <laughs> Will we ever get out of the hedge maze? Maybe. Maybe not. I don't know. <laughs> I like to think, too, Wayne Manor is so big, Damien can live there and have adventures in his own book, and Duke can live there, too, and have adventures, and they never run into each other. <laughs> yeah. Batman's like, oh, that's a big house problem. Yep, you run into it in big houses. <laughs> I didn't see Alfred for years one time. <laughs> <laughs> he got lost. That's how big the house is. Man, did you know we have a screening room downstairs? I didn't. <laughs> man the friggin Wayne Manor is like that one room from Harry Potter the room of requirement where it's like yeah when, whenever you need it that's what the room becomes <laughs> needed chamber pots one night found a whole room full of chamber pots <laughs> it's crazy uh, but yeah that Nightwing was really really cool I like what they do with the Court of Owls here because for a second it looks like Lincoln March is going to be the villain again I'm like oh my god I'm so sick of Lincoln March <laughs> yeah that he dies yeah yeah they're Tim Seeley's like, yeah, you know what? I'm sick of Lincoln March, too. He was cool in his first story. He was cool in Eternal, but it's time for him to go away now because it makes no sense for him to continually be affiliated with the Court of Owls anymore. Yeah, you just get, like, shot in the eye by, by Hooded Gentleman. Actually, here's the thing. Did you notice Hood Hooded Gentleman, his color scheme? I did. It was the same as Talon, Calvin Rose, from the Ooh. Talon book. I wonder, because Tim Seeley was writing Talon before that book was done, wouldn't it be hilarious if Calvin Rose is like, you know, I tried fighting the Court of Owls. I tried being a member of Batman Inc. I decided I'm going to run the Court of Owls now, and I'm going to be a villain. <laughs> it could be pretty cool. And it, like, I as well give like Tim time to like write how he wanted that story to end yeah, in Talon. Yeah, for sure, for yeah. sure. That'd be pretty cool. Because I could, I could have seen if that book had gone on, that would have been like a very Daredevil taking over the hand thing for like Calvin Rose taking over the Court of Owls and being like, yeah. look, they were evil without me, but now that I'm in control, I'm going to try and steer them in a good direction. Yeah. 
And maybe, hey, maybe that's what Talon is trying to do with the Court of Owls. Right? And he's like, look, uh, Dick, you might think I'm a bad guy, but I'm actually trying to steer this crazy death cult into a good direction. Uh-huh. That's why I got rid of crazy yeah. Peckerwoods like Lincoln March. <laughs> yeah, that could be pretty cool. That would be interesting. I'd read the shit out of that. I think regardless of where this book is going to go, it's going to be really interesting. Maybe they'll finally yeah. explain what the fuck is so important about the goddamn Nightwing and why the Court of Owls has this gigantic boner for Nightwing for some reason. Maybe they're an offshoot of the uh, of a cult of Rao. Mm, oh, shit. Wouldn't that be nuts? Because, I mean, Nightwing and Flamebird were like, deities on krypton yeah wouldn't that be some fucking shit it's like yeah our weird cult shit actually traces back to krypton because they never went that far back in the court of owls and explained what their deal was yeah and like before people say like oh no kyle higgins wrote about it in his night of the owls tie and not really he wrote about how like dick's granddad was like uh, supposed to be a talent like the grayson family was always part of the Court of Owls, but they never explained why Dick specifically was so important or why they had such a big boner for the Nightwing. Yeah. I like your Rao theory, though. That'd be pretty crazy, where it's like, yeah, we found these alien techs one time, <laughs> and we built a whole cult around it. Yeah, they talked about the Nightwing and the Flamebird. Oh, shit, you know, that would be a great option to bring, like, Flamebird back in this. Wouldn't that be something? Yeah, but you'd need to give them powers. I think there was a flame bird for a little bit in the actual Batwing book. I think she wandered off that character. Maybe the owls create a new version of flame bird that's literally like a talon with fire powers. That'd be pretty cool. Yeah, this is our flame bird we made. And we're trying to like complete some sort of weirdo prophecy. Yeah, or like to combat Nightwing, they make the flame bird to combat the Nightwing. Okay, you know, let's let, let's let's stick a pin in that and don't be shocked if that happens. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, hell, we've been pretty good here on the comic multiverse for our theories. You had been protect, uh, predicting Eradicator, and it happened. Yeah, yeah, it's true. I mean, I think we're batting pretty good. We're batting like five for five so far. <laughs> that either happened or happened in one way or another. Uh, what else did you have happening, Matt? Uh, I had Wonder Woman issue two. I also read this. This is the first part of the Wonder Woman year one flashback set of stories. Yeah, it's pretty cool. It's cool, and what I like about it is that, you know, we've seen Wonder Woman's origin a lot over the last little bit, either be it in the digital series or be it in that Grant Morrison year one. This one does something really interesting by juxtaposing Wonder Woman Diana's origin on the island with what Steve Trevor was doing. Yeah, Steve Trevor gets to appear in more than two panels. Yeah, and he actually has some interesting stuff going on. They really make the argument that he and Wonder Woman are cut from the same cloth. You know, Wonder Woman goes shooting arrows with her friends. Steve Trevor shooting guns with his friends. You know, Wonder Woman goes to the beach. Steve Trevor goes to the beach. Yeah, they're, they're like kindred spirits. Yeah, I really like that they do that, and that's what they really need to do, especially off the back of like, oh, Wonder Woman was with uh, Superman. Well, it's like, well, how the fuck do you go from Superman to Steve Trevor? Even though they're <laughs> supposed to be together, how do you go from that? And yeah, that's how you do it. You show that they were always kindred spirits, that they were always kind of connected without really knowing they were connected. Yeah, and I guess this also is going to feed into that whole story of... um. Diana sort of finding out more about when she put the lasso on herself yeah, yeah, and finding yeah. out more about like her origin isn't right and this is the right telling of that origin. Mm -hmm. Also, I like it took many years and one giant set of brass balls from Greg Rucka, but I'm glad they finally came out and said it and they're like, yes, Wonder Woman had relationships with women growing up on the Themyscira. What did you think? 
<laughs> it was like one panel. It was one panel where like people are saying like, oh, is she with so-and-so? Oh, I thought she was with so-and-so. She really gets around. <laughs> but I, I'm glad because like DC had always been really weird about, you know, letting Wonder Woman come out of the invisible jet's invisible closet just a little bit. <laughs> Where it's like, have you on. been here? Have you been hearing about what's been going on with Greg Rucker and Frank Cho? No, what's been going on? Oh, oh, oh um, the cover controversy. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah. He Frank Cho's off book next of, issue. Of course, because he is. Greg Rucker's apparently quite Nazi when it comes to showing Wonder Woman's calves or something. But I don't think it was like this is Frank Cho, who, if you know, dude gets in trouble for shit like this every couple of yeah. months. Remember before it was what was it? it was like the Spider Woman cover or like the Gwen pool or like the Gwen cover he got in uh, in trouble for because he had like a big ass picture or something. The, <laughs> the, the dude does cheesecake shit. It's what he's all about. He loves the TNA. Some people can handle it. Some people can't. The thing is, too, like, he, he was crying, oh, censorship, oh, you know, they're friggin' Nazis in D.C., they wouldn't let me do this, that, and the other. Okay, Frank, that's that's fine, that's cool, but you're a fucking freelance artist, though. You have to draw what they tell you to, or you don't get paid. Yep. That's like, it's like, I, maybe, yeah, maybe they treated you badly. I don't know. I wasn't there. But at the end of the day, you're a goddamn freelance artist. You're not You're not even someone like, uh, to bring it back to the Spider-Woman thing, remember the big controversy when they got, like, Milo Marinara to do a cover? And like, uh, yes. And people, yeah. Got, yeah. And, people, and people got pissed off because it was so sexualized? You're not even, like, a famous, like, at least with Marinara... That dude is known exclusively for nudes and erotics. Like, that's his thing. The dude's like a professional porn artist. You can't even hold up that flag and be like, well, what did you expect when you hired me? Yeah, but also to be fair to Frank, like, they, they showed the cover and, like, the the original drawing Frank did and then the censored version. And really what it was, it was, you can find it online. It's 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 just a, an action pose of Diana, like, blocking stuff with her um, bracelets and... The censored version is that same shot with her ass slightly cropped out. Yeah. Like, ever so slightly. And that, that was, like, the whole thing. I'm like, really? Like, what was the big deal about that? It seemed very minor. And it was, like, a variant cover, wasn't it? It wasn't even, like, the main cover? Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I, I've liked his variant covers as well because they draw Wonder Woman, who actually looks like an Amazon. I'm, I'm very much of the mindset that for variant covers, anything should go. I can understand being yeah. very protective of, like, the actual cover. And everything, because mm-hmm. that's the one that's going to live forever in the wikis and everything. I I, mm-hmm. I I would have more leeway with the covers, but that's just me. I can I can understand how they're like, no, this is a new era of Wonder Woman. We want to take it very seriously. We got the movie coming out. We want to cover all our bases. I don't know. It, it just seems silly across the board. It's almost like you know, I, I have I, my sympathy for Frank Cho is running out. Because it seems like he gets in trouble like this every couple months on anything he's worked. It's true. It eventually comes down to a point where it's like, maybe it's you, Frank. Have you thought about that? (laughs) No, it couldn't be me. No, it's it's the children. They're out of touch. (laughs) It's the children. He becomes Skinner there. It's like, am I out of touch? No, it's the children. (laughs) (laughs) There's a meme for you. Send that to him. I'm sure he'll like that. <laughs> uh, but yeah, Wonder Woman was cool. I like the direction they're going with it. I like they're actually making Steve Trevor seem like a character you want to care about. He was desperately in need of something like this. Oh yeah, oh yeah. 
I mean, like the stuff with Wonder Woman, it's all very well, you know, well walked ground. The stuff with Steve Trevor, though, that's actually kind of revolutionary to be like, no, let's actually make you give a shit about this guy for once. Yeah. Because, like, a lot of the Golden Age love interests, like the Vicky Vales and the Lois Lanes and everything, Steve was always just kind of a hanger-on to Wonder Woman, and for big swaths of her history, he wasn't there because he didn't make sense to be there. And now yeah, that they're yeah, doing he... a movie and they want to get Wonder Woman back to that classical place, they got to justify a reason for him being there. Mm-hmm. And I think they're on their way to justifying it. Yep. Uh, what else did you have that you want to talk about? Uh, I had Earth 2 Society issue Oh, 14. yes, which will be continuing now, we now know. Yeah, and, and this issue had big twist in it. Did it now? Yeah, so this issue was a Dick Grayson-centric uh, issue, which is really strange because we had Nightwing as well this week. Um, and obviously he's the Batman of this universe. Yeah. And um, he was talking with Fury, who we actually find out is Donna Troy. Oh, holy shit. Yeah, I think that's the first time we actually find out like her actual real name. They do a really good way of like doing it. Like we always thought Fury was her real name, but that's her war name. Mm. Her name she uses in wartime and everything. Um, I like they're, that they're idea. Just, I like that yeah, idea yeah. that on Earth Two, Wonder Woman had a daughter and named her uh, Donna Troy. Yeah, and um, yeah, they're just talking and everything, and then the ultra humanites uh, kids that he gets. Uh, called the Humanites and gives powers to attack and they fuck up everything. They take Power Girl's powers and Val's powers. Uh, they turn uh, Commander Steel, the guy with the steel bones and everything, into an accordion. Oh no. They like cut him up real bad and I think he's dead now. Um, and then we find out that the main Humanite fire pattern is John Grayson, Dick's oh. son. Oh, holy shit. Yeah. That's some shit. And I, I kind of theorized like a couple of issues back. I was like, oh, I wonder if they're going to bring his son back because he's been missing since the start of World's End. Mm, and his son was such a big driving force of his character. Is why he really became Batman. Yeah. Yeah, most definitely. Oh, well, that so sounds good. I'm glad I'm glad you're liking your Earth 2s. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I guess there was, you know, another handful of Civil War tie-ins this week. The Spider-Man one was interesting. Again, it had very little to do with the actual event. It, instead, it was a whole story about uh, Clayton Cole, Clash, a reformed supervillain who's working for Spider-Man, but now, you know, he fears uh, because Ulysses told Spider-Man, oh, this guy will turn against you at one point, and we essentially get a whole story about whether or not the prophecy will be self-fulfilling or not. Yeah, I, I haven't read this one yet. I've kind of, like, flicked through it. And I like at the start how Spider-Man's fighting that robot that has, like, each each appendage is, like, a manned robot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he's, like, cracking jokes about it and everything. He's like, this is the dumbest thing I've ever seen, and I've seen lots of dumb things as Spider-Man. <laughs> Yeah, I, I like this story because it touches a particular uh, pleasant nerve for me. I like stories about down-on-their-luck schlubby villains, and that's what Clayton Cole really is in this story. And I like it's kind of a bit where it's like, you know, ex-cons have a hard time starting over because they're always met by distrust and everything, even when they're brilliant, like Clayton Cole is. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and his parents are giving him shit. Man, the parents in this book... They are assholes, but they are so wonderfully realized assholes where it's like, yep, I, I know lots of parents just like that. Yep. 
where it's like, but but Clayton, you know, why why don't you start your own company? Why are you working for Peter Parker? It's like, well, because he's been good for, to me, Mom. You know, he's uh, ke- keeping all my invention money in, like, a trust fund until my parole's over and everything. Oh, well, why aren't you getting married, son? You're not getting any younger. And I'm just <laughs> like, yeah, I can see why this guy turned back to a life of villainy. <laughs> because <laughs> everyone's giving him shit then he sees like one of his buddies from henching who's working with the owl and he's got like a big fat wad of cash and everything and he's completely free and it's like yeah yeah i can see it i can see it yeah it's tempting it's, it's tempting him yeah it's the tempting to the dark side there oh man you know what a bad tie-in was choosing sides number two i i i skipped that i'm only i only read well i'm gonna be reading the amazing spider-man one and i've read the god of war one yeah, choosing sides, man. To talk about one to stay away from. It's split into three stories, as these anthology books are. But the first story is itself split into three stories. Oh God damn it! <laughs> I know, and it's the weirdest one. They advertise as like, oh, you know, go read a War Machine story of Civil War Two. Only that's impossible because he's dead. <laughs> So instead, what we get is like a bunch of characters at his funeral, and they all have the same experience, and it's incredibly dumb. It's like Miss America Chavez, where it's like, oh, I didn't know you wore a machine, but I'm still a young hero, so seeing you died freaked me out. And then Spectrum's like, oh, I didn't know you very well, War Machine, but you died, and now I have survivor's guilt. And Misty Knight, <laughs> I, I didn't know you wore a machine, but knowing you died makes me want to get my own life in order. And the dumbest one is Storm. I didn't know you very well, James, but I'm going to stick around in Philadelphia and eat a cheesesteak and see a baseball game because of you. <laughs> what? Yeah, I'm like, geez, this is the problem with killing off a character who is only really active in Iron Man books. <laughs> we feel bad for you, guy we didn't know. Uh... That's hilarious. The second story is also dumb and them really stretching. You remember Goliath who was killed in the original Civil War by the uh, Thor robot? Yep. Well, we get a whole story in this issue about his nephew. (laughs) Doesn't that sound like something you really want to read? Doesn't that sound like a must-read story? Like, you couldn't make me want to check that out more if you tried. (laughs) <laughs> so yeah, stay away from that one. <laughs> <laughs> the um, did you read the God of War one? Not yet, but I will. I'm sure it was enjoyable. It was really cool. It was um, uh, Hercules getting the band back together, getting all these um, uh, gods from. He gets like Beowulf and uh, Theseus. It, it's these are amazing. Theseus is a thief, mm-hmm. and it, it's, it's cool because you see them all like doing their things. Theseus is like about to steal something and his phone goes off and he's like oh oh, it's hercules he needs my help so he shoots his way out of the place and (laughs) beowulf is just hanging out and beowulf has a thick scottish accent oh nice and it comes through in the dialogue as well um and he's just chilling and he sees hercules and he's like ah fuck that guy and like and like uh hangs up on him or like screens his call and then he eventually calls him back and everything. <laughs> and then him and Theseus get off to a bad start. And they're trying to one-up each other and everything. And they, oh, it's such a great book. And <laughs> it's even better because no one else can see uh, these new gods that right, are fighting so they Hercules. Think Hercules is crazy. <laughs> yeah, so there's like, I can't remember what the line says, but they're like, oh, who's Hercules fighting? He's like, oh, he's fighting no one. He's just swinging randomly at the air. <laughs> He's like, oh, Hercules is drunk again. He's got to fight the evil Max Landis new god. <laughs> yes, that's exactly who it is. 
He's so Max Landis. I'm sure someone has tweeted Max Landis and been like, look, this guy in the comic is just you. Uh, and then he proceeded to say why Hercules is a Mary Sue. Now let me tell you why Hercules is a Mary Sue. Even though Hercules is like so the opposite of a Gary Stu, he is incredibly flawed. Yeah. In fact, I think Max Landis would like it for that reason. Hercules might be the most flawed hero in the Marvel Universe that I can think of. <laughs> the whole book is about him being flawed and being, and like trying to make his make up for it and everything. Mm -hmm. Him being not particularly good at anything but trying his ass off. Yeah, I'll totally check that out, and I'm excited uh, because Hercules is going to be an Avenger now, so even more reason everyone should read his book. Yeah. Yeah, you should totally check it out. Uh, what's some other stuff? I'll kind of lightning around these last couple because I just realized we've been talking for a bit here. Uh, Daredevil number nine was interesting. It was a team-up piece with him and Spider-Man and China fighting the triad. The cool twist, though, is that Spider-Man realizes that there's big pieces of his memory missing about Daredevil. Huh. Spider-Man being like, look, my mind's been tampered with enough by psychics and everything else. I know when I have missing memories and I have missing memories about you. So I don't know if I can trust you, Daredevil. And Daredevil basically says, look, I can't tell you right now why I did what I did, but I assure you it's for a good cause. Yeah, pretty cool. Fair enough. Uh, Deadpool, uh, number 15, this was a Civil War tie-in. Uh, Deadpool actually goes to Ulysses in uh, in the Triskelion where the Ultimates are keeping him. And he's really mad at Ulysses for claiming to see the future. Like, that really touches a nerve with Wade. <laughs> he's like you can't see the future you don't know what I'm going to do next I don't know what I'm going to do next I'm so random <laughs> you piss me I'm going to kill you Ulysses and Ulysses is like no you're not ah because you saw the future he's like no because I know you're not going to kill me Deadpool because <laughs> you're not that bad a guy you're not going to senselessly kill me okay fine I won't kill you then but uh, can you look at the future and see what's happening with my daughter though I, I, I want to know that she lives happy in the future and Ulysses is like my powers don't work that way <laughs> well then what good are you then <laughs> and then he gets into a huge issue long fight with uh, Black Panther and they like punch and kick each other all over the Triskelion it's pretty amazing oh that's awesome and we find out that Black Panther is actually a huge fan of Game of Thrones and Deadpool's like yeah I asked the future kid how it ends and the Stark kids all get their own dragons and fight ice zombies and Black Panther's like if that's true I will fucking kill you <laughs> if that's true if you ruined Game of Thrones for me <laughs> You were so dead. But yeah, that was a fun one. Another interesting Civil War time was Power Man and Iron Fist. They also come to the Triskelion to, you know, pay their respects to uh, She-Hulk and Rhodes and all that other stuff. And Captain Marvel tries really hard to get them to join her cause. <laughs> she's trying to sell Please, guys, no one's agreeing with me. Yeah, she's trying to sell them on the team thing. And Luke Cage and Danny, they basically go, you know what? We've had enough of Civil Wars. The first one was shitty enough. We quit. We're, we're staying out of this one. <laughs> Fuck you, guys. We have series coming up in TV. Yeah, really. We don't need this. <laughs> it's, it's just amazing. I'm like, wow, this is a great time. And it's a time with two heroes throwing up their hands and saying, we're having no part of this. <laughs> that's kind of the case for all of the Civil War tie-ins where it's like we're tying in but not really because <laughs> we only had four months to plan this event <laughs> so you know <laughs> so no one can actually tie in just keep telling the stories you're telling but pay lip service to it <laughs> and I think, I think that was it I think that was everything I read I haven't read X-Men yet I just kind of caught up on Silk I, it, ha it had actually come back before with a new issue and it being done its event, so I needed to catch up all on that. 
Cool. I'm. I didn't reveal, but I read the newest Agents of Shield book, which was apparently a Civil War tie-in. Oh yeah, oh, yeah. It's pretty good. Coulson is no longer a member of Shield. Interesting. Uh, he got kicked out by Maria Hill, <laughs> which is funny because she herself is in all sorts of trouble after Pleasant Hill, so she shouldn't be kicking out anybody. Yeah. So she she kicked him out, and yeah, that was pretty cool. Um. Was the last comic I had. I had. Oh, old oh did you read Flash? Did you read Flash? I didn't too? read Flash. I read Old Man Logan though. Oh, really? What was that like? Old Man Logan. It's it's funny because in the last issue, Old Man Logan swears he's going to start running around and getting revenge, but this issue was all about him having nightmares and young Jean Grey takes him all over the world and tries to show him that you know everything's fine. This isn't the world you came from. All the horrible shit isn't going to happen. And then she takes him to a bar in Canada, and they hang out with Puck and Clint Barton, and they have like a party. <laughs> it's actually very sweet. It's actually a very nice, very sweet story. That's pretty cool. You wouldn't expect it. Uh, Flash 2 was pretty cool. Uh, Oprah Winfrey is now the new bad guy. Shit, uh, really? Because... <laughs> no, because like... At the end of the issue, uh, like half a central city ends up with speed force powers. Uh, and you get speed force powers. Then you get speed force powers. That's pretty much what it is. And and um, uh, Barry's training his friend August with powers, and he gets a really cool costume. It kind of looks Rocketeer inspired. He's got like the the goggles and the and like that that shirt that buttons up the side and everything. And Cute. Yeah, it's really cool. Um, last comic I had was uh, Injustice issue thirty. It's a Hawkman centric story. I'll be damned. We find, we find, yeah, I know. We find out what he was going after for uh, Batman, and he goes after Mongol, and he goes after Mongol because Mongol has the last piece of kryptonite uh, in the galaxy, huh. and he needs to get it. And to get to get the the ring off of him you have to fight mongol in half a minute of combat and if you survive half a minute you get it and that's why at the end of the last issue he was covered in blood nice nice because <laughs> he so he survived and then he, he's heading back to earth with the uh kryptonite right on nice to see injustice yeah. still uh, still has interesting stuff to throw your way yeah i saw in the in the in in the solicitations that leak for dc um so apparently Flash is going to go back in time and we get a, a, a different universe where all this st- and it's kind of like what we were saying before when we were talking about it before how like they're going to go to another universe but something else happens <laughs> so that's going to be really cool oh, wouldn't that be some shit alright I guess on that note everyone we can wind this show down we've been talking for about two hours Matt can you believe that god damn Jesus I, I didn't think this show was going to be that long, but it was. Good good on us. I know the energy is different because I'm, I'm sleepy and Matt's awake and with it. <laughs> I, I don't know. Maybe people like this, uh, maybe people like this uh, more when the roles are reversed, when, when Matt has the high ground. <laughs> Matt has the high ground. I'm the one who gets knocked into the lava. No. Eh, you get robot legs. Yeah, that's fine. Damn you, Matt Obi-Wan. <laughs> <laughs> and I guess on that note, everyone, I can bring the show down. Uh, thank you for watching. Be sure to like, subscribe, favorite, do all that other social media junk. Check us out on Facebook. Check Matt out on Fortress of Solitude. If you can't find the link, check my main page on YouTube. He's the first one up at the top. Yep, I should be around on the on the comment section of this as well. Yep, yeah, he's always around there. Oh, and also thank Matt for timestamps. Now, everybody, you were all breathing down my neck about that forever. Matt finally made it happen, so you can all thank Matt for that. 
<laughs> about that. Oh, were you not taking timestamps this episode? <laughs> you literally just reminded me. <laughs> but dumb tish, everyone. That's fine. You know it's what? funny because before this show started, I'm like, okay, yeah, I've got to get my page up for timestamps and everything. And then I got distracted by something out like, ooh, piece of candy. Mm, piece of candy, piece of candy. Well, I'll tell you what, again, because we're recording this early Monday on my time. This won't go up till Wednesday. So once this is done, I'll send a link to Matt that he can see so he can do the timestamps if he really wants. How about that? That sounds cool. That sounds good. We'll do that then. So until next time, everybody, I've been Joel. I'm Matt. And we will see you next time on the Comic Multiverse. Thanks for watching. Bye-bye.